0: This episode of How To Wrestling was brought to you by our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash How To Wrestling where hey not only can you support this show you'll get access to a whole bevy of audio goodies for your ears. I'm talking about over 120 pay-per-view review episodes going all the way back to SummerSlam 2016 as well as that you've got our ongoing pay-per-view classic series. We've got YouTube wrestler review that recently featured John Cena's secret cooking channel on YouTube. More on that on the Patreon as well as that we're reviewing all of Total Divas and you can expect at least two to three new pieces of content each and every month that is available for all backers at our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash wrestling. you can join for as little as five dollars a month get immediate access to that entire back catalogue and you can drop out whenever you like there's a load of fabulous content on there we love bringing it to you each and every month you can even sponsor an episode details of that are available on On said Patreon page, but for now, enough clowning around. It's time for the serious business of clowning around. It's time for how to doink. Welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. Hello everyone, once again, it's me, your old pal, Captain Kevin, Join us as I am always in this look, back, and deep dive in some of wrestling's most intriguing characters, by the ever-intrigued joe
1: graham hello
0: how are you doing today joe
1: oh i'm ever so intrigued
0: yeah i think you're excited is that safe to say yeah i'm really excited (laughs) today's topic we're talking about wrestling's foremost clown the clown prince of the world wrestling federation and most of the indie scene throughout the midwest and the south of america it's DOINK the clown! Woo! And I'm gonna take this opportunity to once again say this episode is called How to DOINK. Yep. And I'm glad that I get to say that in a professional capacity. Yeah. So, Joe, why are you intrigued? Why are you excited? I think a lot of people are going to see the artwork alone for this episode and go, oh,
1: it's so good. What the heck?
0: Who Who is this character? Why is this worthy of a deep dive? And what has got you so excited here today?
1: Well, I have always liked in wrestling the kind of the silly cartoony side of things, which I feel has historically maybe gone unappreciated by wrestling fans.
0: That's fair to say.
1: Especially ones kind of our age who would have grown up Maybe seeing the cartoony stuff as the, a young kid, yeah, and then but growing up through a more edgy time, which I mean, I, yeah. I, I like the edgy times as well. They mm. they have their merits, but I do feel people are really hard on like the time of wrestlers with jobs. Like, and also I think a lot of wrestlers are really down on that time yeah. of being like. If you watch any shoot interviews, they're always like. Oh, yeah, back then when we all the wrestlers had jobs, it was shit. And it's like, but that was when, like, Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart and, like, Big Boss Man. Like, there's so many good wrestlers in that time period. Okay, so even Repo Man, like, (laughs) he was a wrestler with a job and he was pretty great. Dusty Rhodes, I think his time when he had a job was fantastic. He had many jobs, fact, total Dusty Rhodes. So many jobs. And... (laughs) Clown is a job.
0: <laughs> it is, yes.
1: And Doink was, he came up in a period where wrestlers had jobs and his job was clown.
0: It's really funny that, you know, you mentioned, you know, that kind of uh, growing up, like a lot of a lot of you know, folks like myself who were kids, you know, as wrestling fans during the, the Attitude Era, where yeah. that was a period of time in wrestling where it was like, hey, we're blowing that kind of old time wrestling out of the water, the thing that you thought was lame, we're ripping that up. At times you had companies like ECW, like actively being like this thing here, that's what, you know, wrestling is awful. Like not just trying to be something new in, in that you're kind of tearing up what's come before you, but also you're kind of alluding to the fact that that thing that's come before you ruined something better that came before that. And I don't think that's exclusive to wrestling. I think you can look at video games, you can look Mm -hmm. at music, you can look at comics. So many different genres of media where there has always been that kind of rebellious phase that comes tearing up something that was lame. And then before that, you know, maybe there was meant to be something that was apparently better. And like a lot of that is... Nostalgia, I think.
1: I think a lot of it is marketing. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, it always makes me think of that Nathan For You episode where he markets a toy for children and he does it by bringing out these other toys and he's like these are for babies and only babies <laughs> like this and it's just like a normal kids toy but he's like no you don't want that it's for babies you want this this is for cool kids and grown ups but
0: well, i just kind of think you know you're obviously been very kind of reductive and broad strokes here but yeah. you know if you take say music and it's like you know grunge movement and stuff like that that happened in the 90s and that was meant to be kind of a response to the -the over-the-top theatrics of glam rock and you know the 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 codpiece heavy over-the-top spandex rock and roll that was happening in the mid to late 80s and that was maybe something that made people go oh what came before that was more gritty and real in Mm. the 60s and 70s that was great so when I say like nostalgia I feel like nostalgia is a tool that's always used by marketers You're, you're right to point out but like nostalgia for like kind of making you angry that something else has come along as well, not mm-hmm. just missing what you had, but making you resent what you have you know, now instead.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a really interesting and maybe not entirely ethical form of marketing because it really pits generations against each other because the generation that would have enjoyed the stuff that is now passe and uncool feel it's like, well, the young kids of today, they don't appreciate how good it actually was because they're saying it's shit and lame. But of course they're going to say it's shit and lame because that's what kids do when they're growing up and they're teenagers it's the whole part of growing up i think is rebelling against what you were into as a child yeah
0: i remember very distinctly i'm sure i've mentioned on podcasts past like with the very first wrestling i ever saw would have been in the very early 90s like 1992 1993 when doink would have been you know a, a mainstay in the world wrestling federation you know this wrestling clown and I remember just seeing snippets here and there when it would be shown on ITV you know, as part of, kind of the Saturday wrestling show or whatever it was and I remember thinking it was so lame because my brother and you know his friends and my parents were like, it's fake, it's terrible, it's awful, don't watch that shite. It's so, and I was like, yeah, it is, it's awful, isn't yeah. it? And I was like five or six and then like, I was very slow to come into wrestling then in the late nineties, you know, ninety eight or whenever I started watching. I was very much the arms folded, like, "Oh, is this this thing with like the guy who puts people in body bags and the the witch doctor?" And you know, I, I was very much geared to hate us. Yeah,
1: because you were literally told to by people older than you,
0: including the actual wrestling show that yeah. I was watching. Because I'll tell you, Joe, my earliest experience of doing the clown, which I knew just solely as like a bad thing in wrestling, <laughs> because my earliest memories of that were I remember in like the year 2000 when like Vince McMahon was in a feud with The Rock and Vince did this big promo about how The Rock never would have been anything without Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon makes people superstars he's like but you know I, I let you be The Rock I could have decided to make you doink the clown and it was like
2: ah! and
0: I'd be turning to my brother go what's that and like it's the worst thing ever that's what it is and like you'd have Paul Heyman who we've done your know, episode on ECW yeah he'd be cutting promos being like, before ECW, it was Doink the Clown walking around with his funny green wig and his silly nose. Like, yeah, they had actual silly clowns and they're at the circus and that's terrible. (laughs) I want to see tough guy wrestlers. Yeah. Little did I know that this Doink the Clown gimmick is far more than just wrestler the clown. Yeah. Doink the Clown is something else entirely.
1: I feel as well because of WB revisionism, they've kind of like removed the origins of doink from what he has become now like we looked at just before we started recording this we looked at some of the more recent appearances of the character of Doink
0: because he is kind of a nostalgia hit that they'll put on like a reunion show or an anniversary show or whatever
1: talk about cheap like cheap heat cheap like reactions from the crowd because like you can put anyone in that makeup and that wig and you don't have to pay the guy very much because he's a no name, but yet you get the prestige of a guy who has been wrestling supposedly for 30 years.
0: Yeah, and this is where this episode becomes what many people in the tweets were literally warning us because they're like, this is going to be hard for you guys because this episode's not just going to be about, you know, the first person who portrays this gimmick. We are dealing for the first time ever, I think, in How To Wrestling, a gimmick that was portrayed by multiple wrestlers and dare I say not just a handful a borderline incalculable amount of people (laughs) have claimed at one point to be doink the clown Wow! and I feel like that in itself makes this something of a multiverse of madness
1: (laughs) multiverse of clowns
0: crisis on infinite doinks type (laughs) of a type of a moment I mean for you like, why, why is that strange? Like, we have a, a gimmick with multiple people portraying it. Like I, I don't know, I feel like that should happen in wrestling more often, right?
1: I mean, I'm glad in a way that it's not, because I feel the more people you have portraying a character, the more kind of, kind of dilutes the character. Mm. Because as we were saying, like, with the more recent versions of Doink on WWE, it's just like a generic clown. It's not really Doink. Yeah. Like, it could just be any clown. could be dressed as any other clown. doesn't really have any resemblance, other than the makeup and the the hair, to the original character of Doink. So, I mean, I like the idea of multiple people portraying one character, but I do think there needs to be some kind of, like, boundaries in place, like brand guidelines, almost.
0: Yeah, I think that it's something that is particularly in in the west i think they maybe struggle with a little bit Mm. because i know like in mexico and in japan as well but there's there's this kind of idea of like the legacy of like a mask for instance or a character or a name and it will get passed on like you know
2: so cool that's so cool we had
0: of course you know in the territory days there were lots of people who had the moniker of mr wrestling for instance under the mask there was a few people who portrayed mr wrestling or whatever but like i was trying to look back at our previous episodes of how to and try to find like hey are there other wrestlers where it's like the gimmick has tried to be like portrayed by someone else but
1: that's it you can only do it if you're wearing a mask or wearing very heavy makeup because otherwise <laughs> yeah. it's just like what you're gonna get a look alike. it's not gonna work
0: or maybe like sometimes if there's like a lineage aspect to it as well maybe if someone's son is like if dominic mysterio at one point didn't get in with the wrong crowd maybe he was gonna become ray mysterio junior junior like yeah, you know i don't know but do you remember a previous episode where we did actually there's two episodes i think where we had a gimmick that was tried to then be portrayed by someone else. The I don't know idea about
1: episodes, but I know Sin has been played by two different guys,
0: I think at least two, at least
1: two. But yeah, he wears a mask. Other than that, I mean, two of your faves
0: actually. I
1: know. Uh, what was it Razor Ramon? Yes, he was like kind of portrayed by another guy. But he I was yeah. in my mind, I don't really think of that being the same character because it's just like. I mean, he's not even wearing the same clothes. He is. He's wearing... He's not. They're they're made to look similar, but they're not. The, they look, honestly, they look like he got them from a cheap, like, costume shop.
0: Diesel as well?
1: Diesel as well, yeah. Diesel
0: was portrayed by uh, again, Glenn you, Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, you, at one point.
1: I like that they got a big guy, but it's just, it just doesn't work if you can see their face. Yeah. Like, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are really handsome, <laughs> and that's... a big part of their appeal like i think they would have been the first people to admit that like they they were hot and they knew it glenn (laughs) (laughs) Glenn (laughs) K
0: too much gin in this house
1: glenn jacobs he has skills in ring but he's not a particularly handsome fella and i feel you can't get him playing someone like kevin nash and expect the fans to be like woo yeah we love big sexy yeah
0: i I don't think that wrestling audiences generally speaking are open to the idea of that i mean in the ultimate war episode that we did and this isn't that playing the undertaker during uh, the the early 90s as well but like ongoing theories that they had been replaced like paul mccartney's conspiracy in the beatles where like someone loses a couple of pounds of muscle mass and suddenly there's a groundswell of people who think that it's a it's a faker in the midst I mean
1: (laughs) I could totally see in another universe if WCW won the wars and Sting got injured like in a career ending way them carrying on the character kind of with a different wrestler Yeah, because I feel he's kind of an icon (laughs) that is worth so much money
0: the face paint alone right and he wears
1: face paint exactly so you could kind of just get someone else to and he doesn't it's not like Sting is known for a particular thing f- he does. It's kind of like more a vibe.
0: He does a bit of this, does a bit of that. Does
1: it exactly? <laughs> it's kind of undefinable. So I feel that would be a more easy gimmick to copy. But you can't do it now, obviously.
0: Yeah, well, look, here, here's the thing, right? Doink the Clown, we've skirted around the issue. We said that he's not just a clown. So if we're describing the character of Doink the Clown, Joe, you've watched. So much clown shit in the last few days. Yeah. That I hate clowns. Bo- really? I
1: fucking hate clowns. That's why I love Doink so much. Okay, well,
0: tell me what is what is Doink the Clown in its essence? Like, what is the 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 character of Doink?
1: Well, there's the character of Doink, and there's what I perceive to be the character of Doink in my mind. Because I hate clowns, <laughs> I don't think you can have a face clown. I'd like a good guy clown. Mm. I think they are always evil. So to me, Doink the Clown is an evil clown.
0: Now, why don't you like clowns? I've heard something, like, I've, random statistics, I've heard, like, wouldn't two people, like, find clowns creepy? They are
1: creepy. You know, I,
0: I personally don't, like... What? I don't find them creepy.
1: What, do you find them, like, nice? No, I find
0: them kind of silly, you know? Uh, you know, obviously, as a, as a modern man, I see someone like the Joker, and I obviously want to... Uh, portray that strength as a high value individual uh you know uh, i find that's why i break my foot every time i get upset you know yeah. and kick the trash cans Healthy. but no i mean i i've never like i've never gotten the heebie-jeebies from a clown probably other than doink who has a few times in this episode's research made me go Ugh.
1: The only thing I can think is that growing up, we had a copy of It in our house. And it never really bothered me. Like, I always thought it was creepy, but like, I didn't really get scared of it. And then one time a family friend came over to say our house and she was like, I was like six or seven and she was like 12 or 13 and she saw the cover of the book. And immediately demanded to be taken home, and this was like it's oh, sorry, just the book, not even the not cover even the video. Of the book, no, no, I've never seen the video. Okay, but she it was in the middle of the night. She demanded to be taken home, so we wow. had to call up her parents and be like, "Sorry, you got to come pick her up." This is a scary she was like book. Six or seven years older than Aww. me, so I think just the presence of that book in my house
0: gave clowns gave power. Like a power no not
1: like, <laughs> because i'm not like, i haven't got a phobia of clowns yeah. i'm not like i don't see a clown like, like have panic attacks and I there just... are people
0: who definitely do oh, have no. a phobia yes absolutely yeah. and
1: i can totally see why like i haven't seen it but i i know it's supposed to be fucking horrible and scary and i think yeah if you see that from a young age it would implant in deep in your brain but i just find clowns creepy probably because of that book i guess
0: it's funny like there's very few things that have that kind of niche phobia to them that I felt has lasted quite as long as yeah. clowns because I feel like 60s and 70s was like kind of creepy clown stuff, you know? I feel
1: like, yeah, because the 80s and 90s. old clowns like from the 60s and 70s yeah. or even earlier, like the 40s and 50s, you think of them like traveling with the carnival, and they're kind of dirty. Yeah, there is always they, that like, kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, they're traveling a lot, so they're like they're kind of rough and rugged. I mean, that's and stuff. the original.
0: The character of the Joker was originally kind of based off of some like black and white movies where there right, was kind yeah. of you know creepy ass clowns and that's it. And like stuff.
1: back then, people who lived as clown lived as clowns. People who worked as clowns were tough because it's a really hard way of yeah, life. Yeah. You have to be tough to like travel in Traveling a carnival performer. and be a performer and stuff yeah. like that. And some of them were a bit seedy. And so, not not yeah.
0: not entirely removed from the world of wrestling in some respects. Definitely. But like I feel like, you know, we, that's some historical creepiness there. But like I think even to the most recent, you know, ten or twenty years when I was teaching in school, mm. kids were absolutely... like I would say eighty five percent of the kids were terrified of clowns.
1: Well, there was a big resurgence yeah, of clowns because they go on fine.
0: Snapchat and TikTok and they'd see all these scare stories being sent around by older yeah. kids, being like, "Oh, there's a van of clowns going around yeah. slitting young boys' throats, so don't go was, out tonight, don't go out for Halloween." There was
1: a weird trend. I don't know what it was for. Probably just for Facebook or something. What where was the people... random clowns
0: showing up, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
1: people showing up dressed as clowns in the middle of the night with like knives and chainsaws and stuff and just standing there yeah and i think at the time people (laughs) thought it was like marketing for it because that was being remade but Uh, this
0: this was before then yeah Yeah. i I remember it was the type of thing that there would be local news things about like creepy clown or whatever it is that's why i just think it's kind of it's very interesting that when you look at this character doink in its essence i was growing up and a lot of people were like oh of course vince mcmahon it's a bloody circus over there anyway. Of course he's just got a silly clown going <laughs> around going doo 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 and throwing pies at people. And the reality is is that Vince McMahon, yes, he's a uh the type of person who's gonna give you family friendly, very broad entertainment in the nineties, but he's also very interested in what makes people tick. This clown was always envisioned to be a scary clown.
1: Yeah, and like not just like, oh, he stands there with a knife. This is like I don't know, like, psychological... Yeah, not not like Ooh. murder
0: clown. Not like, no. blah, Like it's, it's, it's a homicidal maniac, but he happens yeah. to be a clown. It's like, no, here's a guy who's going to come out and do jokes and tricks and pranks. But
1: he's sinister.
0: Yeah, and he's going to make kids cry. It's not
1: like he does anything evil. <laughs> he's just really creepy. And part of that is, I think, who played him. Yes. Because you can't just have anyone play a clown and make it creepy
0: yeah and i think that's when we're talking about doink and we're going to get into this whole character and the subsequent people who portrayed them you have to start at the start which is the person who portrayed him which was a wrestler named matt osborne who was more known in his heyday as matt born or maniac matt born and he would have been a journeyman wrestler who worked all throughout the territories you know second generation wrestler his father the legendary tough tony Bourne, which <laughs> what a fucking name is all I, I, I can say but like you know we've talked in our previous episodes like kind of the jake roberts the dusty Rhodes, the terry funk episodes there's always been that undercurrent of in that kind of the 70s early 80s periods that there was this older generation this older guard of what wrestling used to be and it's about like protecting kayfabe yeah. being a legitimate tough guy yeah. And many people might be shocked to know that the guy who's portraying this very over the top, extremely WWF clown gimmick was from that old stock, that proper old time toughness is best wrestling breed.
1: The time when bleeding was like just a mainstay in most matches. Like, and you have the little old ladies in the front row and they're like, they've got a gun in their pocket and they're like, yeah, kill him, fucking kill him, yeah.
0: I mean, this comes from the generation where if you were a wrestler, and you were in the bar and a guy came up and is like, oh, I hear that wrestling stuff is phony. You
1: break a bottle y- over his neck and kill him. <laughs> yeah, you have
0: to like you have to get in into the mix, into yeah. the fray. You know, you have to protect the business and protect yourself. What I always find really interesting is that the people who seem to be the greatest perpetrators of this were the guys in that era who were second generation wrestlers themselves.
1: Yeah, I think partly that's because I mean it's not as well known these days, but that Earlier generation, the, the fathers of the second generation wrestlers were fucking scary in their own rights. Like, oh, yeah. if you hear any stories from that era, from like Tough Tony and stuff, that is the era where they're all like carrying guns all the time, they're constantly like starting bar fights, like, just like criminals all of them it's proper shady i mean
0: i think back to our terry funk episode and his dad having to break the leg of a mafia enforcer yeah. who was sent to break up their show like you know the, the, that kind of you, you hear about the smoky arenas and the the cigar chomping uh, uh mainstays who would who would show up and, like this is you know an era before that i always thought that in the 70s and the 80s the likes of matt bourne and you know jake the snake who would have been second generation they were trying to kind of carry on the legacy. It's a little yeah. bit of a kind of a, hey, look, da, look, look, I'm doing just like you want. I'm making sure business is staying tough even when it's changing.
1: And you can only imagine what it was like growing up in that world at that time because, like, it can't have been easy. I and... mean, you
0: know when Stu Hart is considered a better example for his kids yeah. in that time? You know, but you had the people where it's like, hey, my neck is broken, i got to work the kids.
1: Yes. Work work the
0: wife, make sure they don't know that I'm actually, you know, just taking a couple of weeks off but or whatever. on
1: top of that, these people, these men, often, you know, they had like CTE and stuff like that, like long-term brain conditions that they didn't know about because of the style of wrestling at the time. There's this horrible moment in The Dark Side of the Ring where they interview one of his ex-wives about his upbringing. And it's revealed that his mum and dad they divorced oh, God, when he was this. really young and on the day of the divorce his mum said i don't want that little bastard and then he never saw her again
0: and so he sent off to live with tough tony tough Bourne. Tony born, yeah. and again you can see wow the wrestlers who are most dedicated to the cause and the you know the business in inverted commas and protecting that at all costs they're generally the people who have literally been thrown in, yeah. into circumstances where this wrestling business is all they have. Because how can you get through to your father? It's through this wrestling business. But also,
1: like, a professional wrestler as a single parent is probably not the best person to raise a child. The lifestyle alone isn't really conducive to that environment for a child. Mm. It must have been so... To, To hear that from your mother and then to be raised in that environment with no other support and no other parental figure must have been earth shattering for him i know i feel
0: like you write a psychology book at this point because yeah. we've, we've come across this so many times mm-hmm. in in how to and it, it's it's not just men i mean at like the last episode as well you know broken homes create a hole in people that can very readily be filled by wrestling yeah you know and sometimes it works to their advantage because i'm not saying it's because he's from a broken home but the one thing everyone would say about matt bourne was that he was incredibly skilled as a wrestler. Mm. And I think even long before, we watched a bunch of his matches when he wasn't in the clown gimmick. Yeah. You could tell that he was a cut above. You know, he was one of these guys where the believability, mm-hmm. the smoothness of what he did, like I put him right up there with, with yeah. some of the best we've seen. Oh no, he
1: is amazing. He's yeah. really I mean, and the viciousness as well. It's its just like, it, he, it looks like he's hitting them for real. And maybe he is.
0: Yeah. I'd always heard stories that matt bourne had you know uh had a reputation let's just say that that preceded him and all Mm. that i was quite shocked to find out just how far back his his time went like he's a guy he would have worked in mid-south portland texas like the carolinas he actually was working on the first ever wrestlemania we watched his match it was him and ricky steamboat
1: yeah that
0: was amazing he was maniac matt bourne back then so like this is a guy who comes from that proper that old stock But you expect to hear the odd story of kind of wacky bar fights and a couple of few too many drinks and all that. But man, the stories we heard, there was a dark side of the ring recently that focused on Matt Bourne. uh, Not just his doink run, but his entire life and his Mm. his legacy and whatnot. And Jesus Christ, some of the stories of bar fights and stuff were psychotic, for lack of a better term. You know, it's not just a few drinks and getting a bit rowdy and trying to show that you're a big tough guy. He was trying to maim people
1: and it's not just bar fights though that's what I always find really shocking is that at that time it was like genuinely risky to go to a wrestling show and like (sighs) these fans they would like they'd go to these shows and then they'd like attack the wrestlers yeah I mean we've
0: spoken in the past Bobby Heenan, someone tried to shoot and kill him at an AWA show I know Ric Flair mentioned uh, in his book one of the horsemen, someone stabbed him with a, tried to stab him with a knife. It's it was a butcher's knife all covered so in shocking. pigs blood. but yeah. yeah, and one of the stories we heard was uh, when he was in mid south with uh with Jim Duggan in the group called the Rat Pack and they were you know just big tough heels or whatever it was, the guys who got out know, to beat people up and you know, a guy in the crowd sees Jim Duggan, and he takes a swing at him, he you know, hits him on the arm. So Duggan comes and he, you know, bops him in the arm back.
1: I think he kicked him in the leg, so he buckled down. And so Jim, I I think that's a really smart way of dealing with it, because he's on the floor, you look like the big guy, you can leave it at that. But Matt Bourne is like, oh nice, now he's down, I can take my turn. And he fucking kicks his head in.
0: Yeah, he kicks this fan in the head, cracks his orbital bone, and makes his eye come out of his head
1: jesus fucking christ now
0: this is a weird era because you know not to say it's good for a wrestler to hit a fan or a fan to hit a wrestler but if jim duggan the big tough heel didn't do something it would have been his job yeah and probably not just his job but everyone in his wrestling group the rat pack at the time as well but there's protecting the business and then there is
1: loving violence for the sake of it
0: yeah yeah i think when you are looking at something in the late 70s or early 80s, and it's a fan attacking a wrestler. They instigate it, and then what you do in response lets that fan sue you, yeah. the wrestling company, the promoter, mm-hmm. and the venue where the wrestling event took place.
1: Yeah, that's not ideal.
0: No, ra- very rarely do you get to be as litigious when it, the story starts with, so I hit the guy. yeah, And then, yeah, because... Matt Bourne, like some of the bar fights with the wrestlers as well, like there were mm. stories being told from like Jim Bridzel and stuff like that, and he's like going straight for the eyes. Yeah. Trying to pull their lips off their mouths and stuff like that. Yeah, there was
1: this horrible fight he talks about with one wrestler where he like just decides randomly that this guy is like flirting with his girl. Yeah, and, and he's, like,
0: he just arrived. Like, yeah, he he's you, like, What? Who are the, you? Like,
1: it seems that Matt was on many drugs, like a lot of, lot of drugs that like made him act very crazy and yeah in this bar fight like he's biting people's lips off he's get, t- trying to gouge his eyes out like it's really really nasty shit
0: yeah and like there are times when wrestlers look back on this era and there's kind of like oh it was a different time you know it was kind of you know Hey, business is a little bit tougher back then, you know. Maybe the kids ease it, but everyone in this dark side of the ring who's talking about this period, like they're fucking looking at their shoes head yeah. down, being like, Yeah, we the only rule we had was that you couldn't take each other's eyes out. Yeah. You know, but other than that, we But wouldn't. he
1: still would try.
0: Yeah. And this is in between bouts of drug use that would make mm-hmm. even the heaviest users back then blush and go, What the hell? Like Matt Bourne seems to be someone who had a lot of skills and a lot of notoriety as a wrestler you know he was on the original Wrestlemania lineup Mm. he was fired one year after drug use and then was immediately signed to WCW where he was given the gimmick of Big Josh the fun lumberjack with bears and you know he was dropped pretty quickly then as well similarly for drug use but I was watching some interviews with people like Kevin Nash who would have worked with him during that time and you know far being from the veteran to bring in the younger guys he was the type of guy where it was like oh the young guy's gonna you know drop them on their heads potato them hit them for real Mm. let them know that the business is tough and you know it's not getting soft and it's just i don't know at one point you have to think when you're attacking fans and then you're going in to do your fake wrestling fight for a show and you're attacking your opponents for real and then you're just going and getting fucking blitzed up on every drug under the sun Mm -hmm. like do you know what your job actually is you know because it just feels like it's a very strange lifestyle where you get to beat people up for real and yeah get praised for it because everyone's like oh what a tough guy he was mm. were you shocked to hear about you know this character that you were familiar with doink the, the guy who's inspiring it the guy that the gimmick was made for was this oh, yeah you know
1: legitimate tough guy like scary scary really scary man like there's a lot of scary guys in wrestling but Jesus Christ, no, he is properly vicious.
0: He's one of the least sympathetic, kind of, you know, fucked up people, for lack of a better term, that we've come across on this but show. what's
1: really scary is that everyone said he was such a nice guy when he was apparently sober. Whenever that, that was. Whenever that was. And then when he would take drugs, it, like, it was a, a switch flipped, and he would become this maniac. Yeah. And that's like, I feel that kind of really lends itself quite well in a horrible way to the idea of a clown because yeah. it's like the idea that they could at any point switch from this like funny silly guy to i'm gonna gouge your eyes out actually
0: well apparently they used to give him the the nickname of crusty mm. you know and this was even back in the wcw days this is before doink was even a uh, a concept that was written down you know he would always be the guy who didn't you know change his gear he was one of those kind of you know sm- smelly wrestlers let's just say yeah. and he was also a guy who had a really sadistic sense of humor he would apparently always be kind of laughing to himself and like, you know, the really cruel, horrible, nasty jokes and whatnot, which he obviously went out really well with the boys and mm-hmm. all. But the fact that he had this switch, that he became this really angry, uncontrollable guy. Yeah. Apparently his road warrior Hawk was the guy who was like, oh, we got our very old Krusty the Clown over here, you know. <laughs> now, whether that was other people saying that Hawk had come up with an idea where, hey, we should have a gimmick for a wrestler that he's like this fucking really gross clown. But apparently this was like a nickname that matt osborne had kind of gained around the time you mm. know that he was just this kind of scummy kind of smelly violent tempered mean-spirited i mean and these are the guys who like him are describing him this way yeah Ugh. i don't know i mean in the dark side of the ring the interviews with his his ex-wives were Ugh. you know this was this was kind of shocking stuff really you know
1: yeah jesus christ so yeah Well. well i mean i think it's fair to say outright that he was a terrible husband um, yeah and I think probably a real piece of shit I mean it's probably no surprise given you know the uh, the fights he was constantly getting into and the drug abuse because yeah he smoked a bit of weed but it wasn't just that it was you know massive and massive massive amounts of cocaine. And much harder drugs than that.
0: Yeah, it kind of felt like they were stopping short of giving you the full grisly details. Yeah. But he was, you know, but his
1: crack was mentioned at one point. Yeah. But yeah, he he was married a few times, and his first wife. It's really sad. All his wives kind of hate each other, and it's so obviously because he he told lies about each of them and pitted them against one another or, or and
0: recontextualized yeah, them Yeah, and
1: isolated them from other people. But his first wife told about how when she had his first or second child but the kid was an infant like literally only a few months old and she was holding him in her arms and Matt Bourne came back from the gym one day and was like decided that she'd been cheating or whatever and just like flung her across the room the baby went flying thrown
0: lit cigarettes at them as yeah. well as, uh, the other one that so, I were hearing
1: horribly abusive I think he was arrested for domestic assault yeah. around that time and
0: then we have like the subsequent ex-wife who's like well, all those other ex-wives they just, they just wanted, wanted just the money, new yeah. money and all that and
1: yeah because I think the timing of it seemed unfortunate because he was fired from one job around the same time his first wife left him
0: yeah. So I think it's kind of Yeah, I, I I was just shocked by the power that he still had over these yeah. ex-partners
1: well it's because he would literally keep them isolated like yeah. all of his wives have said oh yeah i wasn't allowed to go anywhere i wasn't allowed to work a job they'd obviously make it seem as though it was like an aspirational lifestyle thing like oh he didn't want me to work he wanted me to be lovely stay-at-home mom how lovely but no it's what he wanted control he wanted yeah. to coerce them he wanted to keep them under his roof where he could see them at all times and he would just get mad paranoid and then just beat them up
0: he was on you know this is back in the days when he would have been on the road like you know 300 days a year type yeah. of a thing and wanting to exert that level of control it is like it's, it's but been, they weren't
1: allowed friends
0: yeah that was it he wouldn't, he wouldn't and it's not like we've heard in the past like oh don't let the wrestler's wives talk to the other wrestler's no, wives it's not like, it's that. like don't let her talk to anyone. Yeah, don't let you her know? leave the house. It's a level of like control and abuse that would make Macho Man like yeah. blush. Like, and that's you know? like so
1: shit for the kids as well because kids need to leave the house. And how are they supposed to do that if they've yeah. only got one parent at home who isn't even allowed to leave the house? Like, what? They're not allowed to go to the park.
0: It's strange to see someone then like, and I think it speaks to how desirable his skills were to various wrestling promoters that like this was none of this was a like, kind of oh, a dirty secret or anything like that. This was all you know, common knowledge. He was you know if you're fired by Vince McMahon in 1984 you know this is when the gym and brown paper bag days full of steroids take as many as you need lads this is you know, the other days of the king-size bed cocaine parties that everyone management onwards was taking part in if you're too much for them in 84 yeah and they still bring you back afterwards mm-hmm. that says a lot about like you know that they wanted to have him because he had something you know he had these skills So when he's brought back in again in 1992, thereabouts, you know, he's brought back for a couple of just, you know, dark matches just as Matt Bourne. And then Vince McMahon has been ruminating on this fantastic idea he has for a wrestling character, which is Doink the Clown. Now, the genesis of this gimmick, which I think can be mostly attributed to Vince McMahon, it seems, but it is not by any of the people involved claimed to be directly inspired by it. Yeah. Which, for me, I find, like, because it's, like, 1991, it comes out on TV. You know, it was a miniseries. Yeah. You know, showing it to a whole new generation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, giving it actual visuals as opposed to just being yeah. a novel or it was whatever. Yeah, a huge hit. And I, 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 there was a part of me where I was like, how dare you, WWE, lie? Like, have people like Bruce Pritchard or whatever be like, oh, yeah, I wasn't inspired by it. But, like, they don't even, like, that conversation never even happens. No. Pritchard, who would have been Vince's, you know, right-hand man at the time in creative he claims that the inspiration was that movie in the 80s killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> Which, you know, given how out of touch they always are, yeah. the fact that they are a cultural touchstone would have been six years out of date at that point yeah. and not the hot thing that was on TV at the time. I kind of buy it, actually. Yeah, I kind of buy that. You know, so the gimmick is presented as being a clown. But Vince McMahon realises that some people love clowns, but some people hate clowns. And what if we had a clown who instead of making children laugh and smile, he makes them cry. (laughs) And every time Doink comes out in his original appearances, this man is like, Doink the Clown, ladies and gentlemen, who does not want to make children laugh and smile. No, he wants to make them cry. Why does that get you? Why would you want to do that? (laughs) Like this is something that Vince clearly thinks is going to resonate with people. Mm. And I think it does.
1: Oh yeah, no, it does. It's proper scary.
0: You know, when you see Doink come out in all of his early appearances the shots of the audience it's sad kids
1: yeah they really focus on all the crying children
0: i'm like this is during an era like 90 92 93 where it's like business is going down yeah these houses are small there's carpet in the (laughs) ramp when you're coming out and you want to show me the dozen kids that you have in the audience and they're like (laughs) (laughs) "No, we don't have hulk hogan anymore but we've got this clang that will make your kid cry. Come on
1: down to the wrestling Pico, show. You go, shut someone's eyes. Yeah, and
0: you, you go for your lips next. Yeah. Imagine that. It's so funny because you think of this period as like, you know, you mentioned like all the wrestlers be like, I'm the carpenter, I'm the butcher, <laughs> yeah. I'm the candlestick maker. I'm the clang that's going to make your child have nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so Vince McMahon where you'd be like, oh, family friendly show. What if we give the kids... Dehabilitating nightmares.
1: Well, it's interesting because the clown, as we were saying, he's not... It's not... Yeah, he's family friendly. It's it's cleverly done. Like, it's not like he comes out with a weapon and covered in blood. Like no. All he's doing is spraying water in people's faces from his little angry clown pin and throwing pies at people. It's just the way he does it. And the
0: people he does it to. Yeah. You know? And the
1: faces Matt Bourne pulls and his eyes, his dead soulless eyes i
0: think what exemplifies it so perfectly and i always will will say this man has created such huge aspects of wrestling characters and will never get enough flowers it's jim johnson who made the theme song oh my god the music because yeah you mentioned the facial expressions but i think it's summed up so perfectly with this music
1: that
0: goes like this horrible like it, if you made a nightmare into a soundtrack.
1: Yeah, it would sound
0: like this. It would this and if there are clowns in that nightmare yeah. doubly so. And yeah, he comes out smiling and laughing, but then he'll just drop.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's not like he's like the Joker where he's like kind of laughing and angry about it. He he will do the evil laugh, but sometimes he'll just snarl or just go dead yeah. vacant. Like looking through the screen at you. Oh my god. Like honestly. It gave me chills.
1: Yeah, like he looks he looks like he's ready to like fight you for real. Like he and it's it's so scary. He looks just so angry, but not in an over the top, like yeah, like overacting way. Just like a legitimately like this guy you would Like, even outside of the makeup, you'd be like, you'd want to avoid this man. Because
0: there's so many times in wrestling, it's there where there's meant to be the scary character. Yeah. I'm the scary character. But you know what he really reminds me of? It's Jake the Snake. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't think Doink ever screams and shouts. No. But it's those quiet little moments in between him speaking where you're like, oh, fuck me. It's horrible. I don't like And it's as if every single time... He'll do that. Sometimes he'll just do a promo and he would be laughing. And he to have it. a sense
1: of humour. <laughs> it's it even scary because it's so unhinged.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's so unpredictable. I think unpredictable men is like a psychological thing. We're all like kind of as animals like trained to be like hair on edge, like spine tingly, like stay away from that unpredictable person.
0: There is a great creepiness for me as well in the fact that we never get to a point ever in the history of this character in kayfabe where he's explained you know because he gives gives you these looks sometimes and the thing about doink is that he's wearing this really like genuinely extremely tacky outfit like the cheapest shittiest wig this print on Mm bodysuit and like Matt Bourne you know you could look at any hundred pictures of him. He looks different a hundred different ways. Like his weight changes, his body changes, his face, Yeah, his even hair. like
1: just out of costume. like I, I don't think I could recognize him in a picture. Like or he looks different all the time. If you picked
0: a picture, you wouldn't be able to pick a time associated yeah, with it. Yeah, no idea. But the fact that this makeup would you know this grease paint would just kind of slowly melt away in the match and you'd see more of the man underneath
1: and the wig would start to come like lopsided the
0: bodysuit unpins a few times mm-hmm. but the the fact that to the lack of explanation it's when you see the guy underneath and you see that's when he stops laughing you're like why is this guy a clown yeah why is he doing this you know and and you never get the answer it's it feels like you could have done that sit-down interview that you had with like Mankind yeah. and Jim Rossman. Why are you doing the clown? He's like, I just want to make people laugh. You know, it's some real you know, there's some weird, tragic, fucked up story in there yes. that could probably never be as tragic and fucked up as the real life story yeah. of Matt Bourne, you know?
1: It's interesting though that you say about mankind and how it reminds you of that though, because in The Dark Side of the Ring, Mick Foley is interviewed and he says that Matt Bourne as a wrestler was a massive inspiration for the yeah. character of Mankind.
0: I think he, the fact that how Doink wrestles oh god is you know we watched a lot and a lot of the early appearances of Doink are these kind of squash matches and stuff like that and if I'm expecting a wrestling clown, even an, an evil wrestling clown to come out I'm expecting that he's going to like you know pull tricks on you do silly you know ch- cheating tactics or whatever it is but that's not how Doink wrestles.
1: No, he wrestles well because he's a proper Vince is very quick to say I think in every, every match, match you yeah. watch with Matt Bourne, he goes at lengths to say how Doink the Clown is a fantastic wrestler. Yeah, he
0: goes, he works the legs. He works the leg. You know, he, he he hurts you. He
1: like, yeah, he'll like um he'll like kick people, like rough up people's hair and stuff when they're on the floor and like kick them in the head and stuff. He's just like really nasty. That kind of that William Regal thing. I was thing just gonna of, say, of yeah, being it like almost like when you like wrestle your your brother yeah, or how sister. how can or I hurt way. you? Yeah, how can you know? I hurt you?
0: And the great f- line from Foley about that is that Doink the Clown would hurt you not because he he could, it's because he wanted to. Yeah, you know, he would do these cruel things in the match, and I think that that is such a weird again, like WWE. If they're gonna ever mention Doink the Clown ever again, it's like, oh, he loves to have fun, King. It's not like, oh, he's actually this weird psychological uh you know force who is going to break you down with technical wrestling holes you know and then put you in his weird ass submission hole the stump puller where he pulls your leg and pulls it into your fucking face like you know that and it's not to say though that that's all it is because you know you could just go hey it's He's a clown, but he actually is a serious wrestler. Yeah. Doink has no shortage of gimmicks, let's just say. I oh, think yeah. every time we saw him, he came out with something new. Mm-hmm. Like one time we, we watched a match, and he came out and he had a box, yeah. a present in the box. And, and, like, everyone in the crowd was like, oh, no,
1: what's in the box? It was great because we had Elvis on commentary. <laughs> and this Elvis's gimmick was that he was fat and loved burgers. So when Doink brings out the box, Elvis is like, oh, I hope there's food inside. And sure enough, there's, like, a banana cream pie. And uh, he gives him a little banana cream pie, which he happily eats. And then he's got a bigger one that he shoves in his face. And so it's, like, sets up as, like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he, maybe he's just, like, a normal clown. He just cream pies people but then in another match we watched he came out with the same box and this time it was against kamala and kamala was like oh a present for me yay maybe i get a banana cream pie and inside the box was nothing <laughs> and there was something about it was it wasn't just doink's performance because it was very creepy but also kamala's like it's super innocent and swings, yeah you being know, like yeah. so sad and it was like really unnerving and again, yeah. this idea that like you don't know what to expect with Doink, like you never know what's going to happen.
0: He always came out and you know with with something, and that and you know you could probably look at random Doink appearances and be like, oh, it's the old DDP syndrome again because he's coming out now and he's got an umbrella, he's got a cigar, yeah. you know, he's got his flower that he'll squirt you with, or he's coming out with balloons. Sometimes he used to come out with a giant hammer as well. Yeah. But there was always a reason and a rationale behind it, even if that reason was I misdirection. I mean, it,
1: it makes sense because he's a clown. Yeah, like... exactly.
0: Clowns have gimmicks. Yeah. And he's the living definition of a gimmick, yeah. you know? Funny fact about the giant hammer, though, mm-hmm. the name actually came because when Vince told the creative um, design people, the art people in, in Titan, hey, I want a clown gimmick, Drop some ideas for costumes and stuff, they had him with the giant hammer and they had drawn sound effects on the page. And yeah. it was like boof and bash and doink.
2: <laughs> and Vince
0: just went, ha ha, doink. He's doink the clown. And I, I feel like it is an incredibly perfect name. Yeah, like, you it know. is.
1: It's so silly.
0: The very, very iconic moment early on in Doink's career, one which we watched to, uh, to great joy and great effect, was Doink got into an altercation with Hawaiian Crush. And Crush, of course was very concerned that Doink was making all these little kids cry, bra, And he didn't appreciate that at all. And Doink got his arm hurt by Crush in this fracas and wanted nothing more than just to, to make amends and to be sorry. And he pulls his arm out of the socket, my God! <laughs> and he beats Crush to death with this big perspex arm. Yeah. I remember seeing it, it was, uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe way back when Cole Cabana used to do like a nightly show where he would watch wrestling with random comedians or whatever it was who were mm. coming in. And Hannibal Barres was there the night that I came, and it was before he was like super big. It was mm. you know before he before he outed Bill Cosby, yeah. let's just say. And one of the clips that Cole showed Hannibal, who had just come off a plane from Chicago and was incredibly jet lagged and falling asleep, was doing this clip of doing the clown attacking him, and he lot he broke I, he had tears streaming down his face he he was useless for the rest of the night because he couldn't stop laughing about it. he'd be showing all this other stuff and he was still laughing about the clown it's, yeah,
1: it's and brilliant. he was just going
0: what the fuck is that clown doing here get that fucking clown out of here man <laughs> why was there a clown there why has he got a second fucking he's got a third arm what's going on like?
1: there's so many There was a moment we watched in uh a match between um, Doink and Mr. Perfect that was recommended on oh, Twitter. Oh, great
0: series they had, yeah. Yeah, at
1: the King of the Ring qualifier. And <laughs> midway through the match, he. <laughs> there's like an in-camera. Like, you know how they normally do it for advertising spots? Mm, picture-in-picture. Like, picture-in-picture, yeah. yeah. They do that, except the picture-in-picture picture is doink
0: it's meant to be They're like oh we're gonna talk about crush now yeah and then comes a the little picture in picture and there's no one there yeah and then doink, then it's doink. boink
1: and they're like what the <laughs> hell it's doink how is he doing this and then he turns the camera he goes it's an illusion and then just goes <laughs> and that's it and then they don't do anything again i love that it was very tim and eric
0: yeah very surreal you know and that takes us to uh doink's first wrestlemania appearance Taking on his arch-rival, Hawaiian Crush, at WrestleMania 9. And I was very excited for this because WrestleMania 9, I think we last looked at this one for the Rikishi episode where we Mm. had the Head Shrinkers versus the Steiners. But I feel every time we go by WrestleMania 9, your eyes just light up when you see this venue. Why is it about WrestleMania 9 that speaks to you?
1: It's got a really strong gimmick. It's the Coliseum. (laughs) Everyone's dressed up as, like, Julius Caesar or, like, Greeks or whatever. It's the world's know, largest
0: toga party. Yeah. Except if you're a you who doesn't have to wear a toga. Doesn't have to wear
1: a toga for some reason. And it's just, like, everything... There's so much detail and love has been put into the set design. Yeah. Like, they start off this match showing that Doink has desecrated Julius Caesar. And there's this, like, <laughs> really ornate, like, uh, like, marble-looking statue of Julius Caesar. And doinks like put clown makeup on him really badly yeah, he's looks just really, drawn all over it like. looks really creepy
0: it's funny because you know he was asked in interviews with matt bourne that we watched you know hey what what was your inspiration? Like, what did you watch to kind of get into this character? And he's like, I just watched a load of old 60s Batman, like Caesar, yeah, Caesar Romero.
1: definitely see that. You
0: know? But the, the Caesar Romero, like, he didn't have that kind of sinister, creepy vibe. He was yeah. very kind of hoo hoo hoo. But with the whole, like, yeah, drawing that up and, like, Mean Gene Oak would be like, Joker, what are you doing here? Batman <laughs> says that you're not allowed to mess around with the bust of Julius Caesar. Only Mean Gene can put over a clown fucking up a rented statue yeah. as being like, just, and he's dressed up as like, you know, as, as a Roman emperor. I mean, it's like, this is a very dark day for the World Wrestling Federation, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. Those of you tuning in to see the statue of Julius Caesar, no doubt heartbroken. And <laughs> what you see before you today, man, doink can cut a promo.
1: Oh, wow. He's so good.
0: Ah, always giggling to himself.
1: He's got a horrible voice as well, does Matt Bourne. It's kind
0: of broken like this. Yeah. Just, but it can sometimes go down.
1: yeah very jake roberts
0: yeah he he has a great like command of his own Mm. of his own range i think you know in terms of what his voice can do and like yeah it it is it is the most silly looking wrestlemania Mm -hmm. and the most silly looking gimmick you coming you have a clown coming out in a roman coliseum that's set up in a car park in las vegas Mm. and like i feel like there was a point in my life where if i saw this i'd be like eh wrestling sucks no and like now i kind of feel i don't know like wrestling is cyclical or whatever but like man i think i feel like a lot of people like this kind of a thing now they want to see a bit of the over the top they want to see gimmicks you know (laughs) or at least they can appreciate this now without it being your arms folded you know oh it's crap yeah because i get this represents a lot of what Vince McMahon took away from what wrestling was Mm. but i think there's some positives here and it's unique and it's enjoyable in its own right. I
1: think so. I love it. Yeah. It's so I I I yeah, I wish there was more options in wrestling for stuff like this. But
0: the colour palette alone you don't I mean, see. No. You know, like when's that like if you look at the wrestlers, Crush and Doink and this this arena. Yeah. The colour palette here is literally like an inverse of a standard, you know, AEW show. No shade mm-hmm. at A.E.W. just saying it's usually dark metallics and black and yeah. maybe a dark turquoise gets thrown in now and then this is bright colorful sun is beaming down mm-hmm. like you are watching something very unique here it feels yeah. like you know uh, the commentary team don't really <laughs> know what to make of doink the clown
1: poor jim ross this is his first ever night on the job yeah
0: bobby's not gonna let him forget it is he
1: dressed in a toga <laughs> commentating a match for a clown <laughs> bless him
0: (laughs) well you see what you have here is them playing up the idea that doink is a fellow who can play illusions Mm. you know tricks of the eye so bobby heenan isn't really sure if the guy we're seeing is actually Doink the clown because in points in the build-up to this we'd seen multiple doinks like there was one clip we were watching in the build-up to this and like as doink was doing his thing in the ring i was like i swear i can see one in the crowd and then like, they did a bit at the end where there was like three doinks in the crowds what? and they were all laughing. And it was so like, all, and even the audience was like, Oh shit, there's a clown there! this. <laughs> it was so horrible. Yeah. Of course, you'll know, Bobby would be like, who is this man? And Jim Ross is going, well, it's doink the clown. You know, he's, he's taking, taking on crush here, Bobby. What's the matter? Didn't you, didn't you read your memo?
1: Didn't
0: you read the format? Like the passive aggression. It's amazing.
1: Doink has an umbrella and, uh, they're commenting on the on the umbrella and bobby heen's like stay away from that umbrella could be a chainsaw (laughs) (laughs) it's like the thought of doink with a chainsaw is really funny i think the umbrella is one of
0: doink's only gimmicks that he uses that isn't evil yeah i think he just uses it to protect himself so yeah his his grease paint doesn't run off immediately it's his
1: weakest gimmick i think
0: uh fun fact about the old doink as well Apparently, uh, Matt Bourne would not change out of the outfit and not even wash his face after the show. He'd be at the bar, literally dripping in all this fucking grease paint coming off him, knocking back beers. Like. I can,
1: yeah, I can kind of imagine that. It's it. I love it for the character because it means that the longer Doink is played by Matt Bourne, the grosser the costume gets. Because uh, it starts off looking kind of, and it is cheap. It is. But it is it starts looking really dirty and it starts falling apart. And it's just like, oh...
0: To uh, co-opt a phrase, he is legitimately a real scungy son of a bitch. (laughs) Doink is really... uh, He's got himself backed into a corner because Hawaiian crush Joe, he hates Doink and all the tricks and meanness he's played and all the little crushers. And he just beats up Doink for for most of the match and also no-sells most of Doink's offense. Yeah. It was actually quite... It was quite different from most of the other Doink matches where Doink usually physically dissected everyone. But Mm. Doink just got beaten up. And this was against a backdrop of many signs that said, kill the clown. Which apparently would be chanted at arenas across the country. Really? Yeah. Because I think people were like, this is one of the worst things in wrestling. It is (laughs) making wrestling an absolute joke. You know?
1: Oh my god. That's so like it's they're so being worked by it it's so funny go
0: back and look at the wrestling observer newsletter awards from like 92 93 94 doink is throughout them worst worst worked match worst gimmick all you know it's it's because he's emblematic of what a lot of old timers thought was was ruining wrestling it was oh vincent Mann, he's he turned into a circus up there they've got an actual clown now yeah. you know it was too literal a gimmick i think for anyone to to not i don't know Pile on it, I guess. Yeah, and
1: I guess because of Matt Bourne having the reputation that he had before he was playing Doink, so there's a, probably a lot of wrestlers who are like, "Oh God, I miss the days where Matt Bourne was get to be, you know, Maniac Matt Bourne and and be like tough and stuff." But like, he's well, if still... his father could
0: see him now, type yeah. of thing. Yeah, the, this idea that Vincent Man's going to take like kind of a legitimate tough guy. You know, and to them, them and give them this silly clan gimmick yeah. or whatever it is but the reality was was that I think Matt Bourne oh he loved it he fucking loved this yeah, gimmick it was and partly his idea Vince didn't force him into it apparently according to Matt himself he was like look this is an idea if you want to do this you can do this if not we'll come up with something else or you can just be you know Matt Bourne yeah but I think he realised the era that they were in the gimmick was the yeah. way to go, you know? And that's to take away from his resting ability because in this match, he does pull out a few a few salacious manoeuvres, let's just say. Oh
1: my God, he does a pile driver to Crush. <laughs> he fucking nearly killed him. Literally, I don't know how he didn't kill him. Because like, Crush
0: is so big. He's
1: so big. And he's like a good five inches beneath doink's ass yeah i genuinely don't know how it didn't break his neck
0: i think it's just because his neck was so muscular you know literally protect your (laughs) neck train your neck folks you know it's
1: so scary Uh,
0: shout out to bobby who refers to the clown as doinker at one
1: point
0: (laughs) (laughs) but doink bumps his ass off for the big man he gets sent over the top rope like three or four times he keeps going near the ring apron like you're gonna expect something's gonna happen there he keeps fiddling with the mat he gets sent out a third time And as he's hiding underneath the ring, we get a second doink appearing, which the audience were pretty quiet for most of this match. But it's one of the most unique reactions I've ever heard when you have a mixture of people going, hey, and people going, oh, no, (laughs) when a second doink appears and waffles or man crush with the fake arm. It's quite a surreal moment. Yes.
1: Yes. And the ref gets knocked out, so there's like no authority in the ring anymore. There's just double doinks, <laughs> double doinks. and no ref, and they've got a weapon, and it is scary.
0: Yeah, they, them doing the little the mirror bit yeah. where they're they're slightly off, you know. But <laughs> I love it. It's because I feel like there are certain characters where if you do like, I think a Bray Wyatt would be a, a good example to learn yes. from this, where you like people people talk about this angle. More so than I think anything else in this WrestleMania 9 card. A card which includes Hulk Hogan literally stealing the belt right out of Bret Hart from under (laughs) his nose later on. But it's so memorable. It's not as if every single match the Doink had, multiple Doinks appeared. No. But they had created this moment now where they're like, Wait a minute, how many of them are there? And you got Bobby Ian going, no, it's David Copperfield is close personal friends with Doink the Clown. This is an <laughs> illusion, Jim Ross. It's all it is. And Macho Man's like, I'm seeing double vision. Four doinks, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is... And it, this stands the test of time. This gives this character this kind of like rationale or this kind of threat that this could happen. Mm. And makes all of his matches intriguing even though they only do this, I think, once or twice the whole mm. time.
1: And it makes you think as well, like, who is the real Doink?
0: Yes. And I don't know how much they were banking on that right now. Yeah. Because if I was someone like Matt Bourne and I'd been given a kick-ass gimmick, the type of gimmick that, you know, Colt used to say, this is the type of one where you could be doing this in the, you know, in the, in the armory shows mm-hmm. until you're 60 years old, getting your $5 photos with the little kids. Everyone wants to see Doink the Clown. But, you know, within three months of you starting the gimmick, there's four other lads yeah. all dressed up like you. And the announcers are like, who is Doink? Anyone could be Doink. And I think maybe they were hedging their bets.
1: Yeah, probably, you know? knowing what he was like. Yeah. Like, yeah, apparently he never wrestled sober. G-
0: Seriously? That's
1: what his uh, second wife says. Fucking hell. Yeah.
0: But that's always the thing that's scary is, like, the wrestlers where. Probably their rationale, and we've had a few of these on the on the show before, where it's like, oh man, if you tried to make me wrestle sober, yeah, I couldn't do it. I probably wouldn't be able to do it quite yeah. as well, like you know. So yeah, Doink does pick up the win here in a mysterious matchup. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how they pulled this off. We watched an interview with a man called Steve Kern, who would have been the second person to portray Doink. He was more well known as Skinner, who would have been the alligator hunter gimmick that Vince McMahon had. He was one of the fabulous ones. Uh, great wrestler in a tag team back in the territory days as well. And he was, you know, maybe getting on in years a little bit. And he had always been mistaken for Matt Bourne because he was a similar build, similar height. So apparently under Matt Bourne's nose, Steve Kern went to Vince McMahon and suggested that they do this. And he said, look, you never been done before two people playing doink at the same time in the ring at the same moment. You know, it's going to be hard to pull off, but let's do it five hours before the match. He's under the ring, sitting there waiting, you know, with a little tiny monitor watching the whole show. Five hours after the match, having to wait for the entire arena oh to pull down. Oh
1: god! And he said he nearly
0: got deafened because in the main event it was Yokozuna and brett and every time Yokozuna hit the oh, match, yeah. it was like Boo-ee! so he Tinnitus from yeah. Yokozuna's bumps. Jesus! So he's under the ring for like ten hours straight. And Matt Bourne, in the interview that we watched, he was like, that son of a bit Steve He was trying to take my job. He wanted Doink. He wanted it for himself. <laughs> because I think he recognised this Doink gimmick. Hey, I maybe have to throw a pie. There's going to be three other guys being me. I yeah. can fucking do Doink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And suddenly Doink started being portrayed by a few different people when they did house shows and Matt Bourne couldn't make it really Steve Kern would do doink the clown on the show no one would know the difference well I mean
1: that's the thing right so Matt Bourne apparently would disappear for days at a time on like drug binges so like I'm sure there were loads of shows he wasn't showing up to so yeah why not hedge your bets and get some some backup doinks
0: (laughs) it's like it's it's very strange because it's kind of chicken and the egg is this a kind of fortuitous you know oh it doesn't matter that we've lost the guy who portrayed him because we've got a whole army of other guys waiting in the wings or is it literally like, we can't trust this guy. Let's yeah. let's create an exit plan as soon as we started. Like, Matt Bourne portrayed Doink for, like, maybe a year and a half, thereabouts. Yeah. And this is a character that's lasted 30-some years. Yeah. So, but he is still, like, if you Google Doink the Clown...
1: Yeah, he's what comes up.
0: Matt Bourne is what comes up, mm-hmm. you know? But what did you think of Crush and Doink? I'm interested to know your, your rating for this illusion-filled matchup.
1: I loved aspects of this match. Like, I love, as I said, the the Coliseum and the, the gimmick of the show. And I love it being outside, because... You get to see, like, there's a moment where Crush climbs onto the top rope and you see the wind blowing through his hair, and it's so dramatic. Yeah, great camera
0: work in there. Really good camera work.
1: And it makes me think, like, yeah, they should actually have fans set up at, like, pay per views to, like, make it run through the wrestler's hair and stuff. Make it look really cinematic, like that. That would be so cool. And also, it would help, like, cool them down and stuff because it's, like, working out. you You have it in gyms, don't you? So, loved that. The match itself was fine. Yeah. It there wasn't as much great wrestling in this as I hoped it would be, considering Matt Bourne. Yeah, how we'd
0: seen better stuff from definitely, him, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like he is a really good wrestler, both as Matt Bourne and as Doink. But this match I feel didn't really lend to his strengths because it was mostly just him being beaten up and then him getting like a couple of moves yeah. and the gimmick of double Doink. So there were, yeah, a couple of fun spots, but it was a bit slow. So I gave it two and a half stars out of five.
0: This is, I think, the mass that we got tweeted about the most. Really? Because with people saying that, like, the the two doinks was, like, something that they just never were able to get out of their heads. Like, yeah. something that stayed with them from their childhoods, basically, you know. But I just think there's, like, the, the weird little kind of wrinkle there of, like, doinks' most iconic moment is also, like, prepping the groundwork for hey, maybe Doink's not going to be around for too much yeah. longer, you know? Yeah,
1: there's something really scary, though, about thinking about how there was a, a Doink under the ring for, like, 10 hours. I
0: know. It's, imagine, imagine if you were on, like, yeah. going to get a weapon. Like, he, know he was in there, it's like,
1: hello. <laughs> it's like, oh, I thought you were out back.
0: I think we need a catalogue of all the wrestlers and things that are officially under the ring. Yeah, There could be a Doink there. There could be a Hornswoggle there. <laughs> there could be all sorts underneath there, you know? Cavalcade of weaponry. I feel like we couldn't talk about Doink the Clown and also Matt Bourne as a wrestler without this match that was recommended to us next. We're coming to SummerSlam 1993 and Joe's fave, Brett the Hitman Hart, has meant to take on Jerry the King Lawler, but Jerry the King Lawler is in no fit way to compete because he's been involved in a 10-car pileup in the Motor City. So he's got a replacement. His official court gesture doink the clown and nothing could make doink more cursed than officially being burger king freak jerry lawler's court jester
1: (laughs) it works so well though because jerry lawler as a king is such a ridiculous gimmicky character so it only makes sense that as you say he has a court jester who is a horrible clown (laughs) <laughs> evil king evil clown love it
0: brett is, is brett your fave still is he is he still riding high as your fave i mean he feels he has been for a few years now
1: i don't think i'll ever have one fave because it really depends on my mood mm. and like what we're talking about at the time in ring yeah he's probably up there
0: i just something about brett wrestling doink is really really it's funny really to funny, me yeah. because you know I always have this image in my head of like Brett having to wrestle so many of those like silly gimmicks over the years. Yes,
1: he really was probably number one victim to all of those. You know,
0: and many times where he's just like, I like, yeah, I'm I'm wrestling the weird guy who eats turkeys. That's what I'm doing tonight. I'm wrestling the monk, I guess. (laughs) But you could tell that, you know, Brett doesn't think that Doink is one of those run of the mill gimmicks. Matt Bourne. Yeah, and it was really funny because we watched an interview with Brett where he was asked about Doink. And he was like, "Oh, you know, bunch of bunch of the other guys, like Davy Boy. They, they said, i 'I'm not gonna wrestle a fucking clown.'"
1: Yeah, I heard that. That apparently it was refu- big...
0: people refused to work it with him. It was them.
1: almost like he was a woman or something. Like I know. To point blank We're like, "No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wrestle a clown." Yeah, I think
0: like, in terms of people we've had, there are people like, "I ain't wrestling him." We've had China Goldust and Doink. Yeah, like and it kind of with China, okay, maybe I understand Goldust yeah okay nah. yeah. no but i i don't say that I, I i accept it but i'm like it, they are homophobic yeah you don't want to arrest them because you don't want to be seen as being gay like right. or, or you're uncomfortable with it or whatever it's like the very thing that this gimmick was meant to be parodying you are literally in real life yeah. you know taking part in but like the clown like what was he you don't like clowns, no, like, whatever get it. it is. It's very strange. It's so
1: strange as well because small-mindedness.
0: <laughs> it, it feels like
1: they're just like I don't know, like reading the dirt sheets or listening to the fans too much. Because like they're all wrestling like Repo Man and the Monk, as you say, like these other silly characters. They had no problem wrestling, but what the clown? Because it's like a clown, it's like therefore beneath them. Like yeah. Hey, you're you know, maybe worked. maybe
0: maybe you could wrestle Mantor. Yeah or we could get Oz in here. I know you don't want to wrestle Doink. You're, yeah. You're not comfortable with that. You. Like, you know. But yeah, I, I feel like Brad Brett and Doink, as soon as that was recommended to us, I was like, heck yeah, I'm checking this out. Mm-hmm. Like I wanna see this very weird, silly gimmick, and you know, the most takes himself seriously, proper, regular, serious wrestler, Bret Hart, at a SummerSlam match. Heck yes. And even better still, you've got Owen and Bruce Hart in the audience who are, who are all pissed off at Jerry Lawler for, for chickening out of his match and they're going Chicken you're a chicken. Owen Hart's going chicken That is some golden stuff right there.
1: Has this guy ever seen a chicken before?
0: The reaction that Doink gets when he comes out, it is like what it is pure I, I don't know how to describe it, because there's booze, There's enthusiastic, like, oh, we know what you're doing, yeah. but boo, yay. But this is like pure hatred. yeah Because I think you've got the older people who are like, I don't want to see this fucking clown. Yeah, like, go away, heat. And then there's the kids who are like, I hate this clown. Yeah. And they're joining together to make this, like, pure cacophony of rage, mm-hmm. you know. Brett's got this smile on his face the entire yeah, time Doug's coming it. out, he's like, can't believe I get to wrestle this clown I'm so happy
1: <laughs> I think he's uh, excited about what's gonna happen to Bruce
0: yeah this is this is fantastic. Now so- <laughs> Bruce isn't the nicest guy in the world. For those of you who no. don't know, check out the Brett episodes. Yeah,
1: not a nice guy. But Doink comes out with a cigar and two buckets. And they're the proper old farmer buckets that like look dirty. Like the the what are they called? The the exact buckets the Godwins would use when they'd like be full of slop. <laughs> I believe they're
0: pails, Joe, Pales, officially. Right. <laughs>
1: so he comes out with these dirty buckets and a, a lit cigar. Yeah,
0: Jesus, that fucking cigar. It's all like He's all brown on his mouth. Yeah, like he's got oh,
1: like f- old yellowy teeth. He's he obviously- not washed since yeah. fucking WrestleMania. No. Jesus
0: Christ.
1: So he looks really scary. And he chucks confetti at, I can't remember who it is. Owen gets the confetti. Owen gets the confetti, yeah. So you're like, oh, he must just have confetti in the other one. Just stop oil over here. Ruining, ruining the match. God. <laughs> uh, but he chucks the other bucket at Bruce and it's water.
0: Ice cold. Yeah. And he's wearing all beige as well. He's dressed like Mr. Leahy. So he he, <laughs> he just pissed himself, looks fucking ridiculous. He hops that barricade. He runs right. He's literally about to ruin this match. And, like, you know, there's a hundred referees be like, Bruce. It's just water mate he's a clan calm down look no, get the fucking clan out of here man that's not funny He took it too far you said you'd throw confetti at me
1: it would have been even better if doink had just sprayed him with his little pin
0: oh man if he <laughs> did he that the same yeah, reaction to- top and tailed him with it like. <laughs> it's just it was just so funny and it kind of summed up perfectly like the whole overreaction to doink yeah. i think as well because it's like hey yeah He's a clown. He threw a bucket of water at yeah, you. Yeah, what'd you expect? You're acting like he is more f- like amped up and fired up. Like Jerry Lawler was like talking about you know Brett and Bruce's dad being in the hospital and his his mom being an old bag and she's gonna die too. And Bruce is like, mm, and then a clown throws water at him. He's like ready to kid's his knife out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you. Matt Bourne when he's in the ring with Bret Hart like my god these two it, it reminded me very much of um, I know you were watching again the other day a uh, bit of Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart that yeah, kind of fast. seamless he the way he spins when he gets punched and he spins out and he kind of lands and spins mm-hmm. around like he's a fucking like I don't know uh, like he's a hockey puck or something like that it's absolutely <laughs> incredible you've got Jerry Lawler at ringside causing constant distractions and mouthing off so Brett does get taken advantage of by the evil clown and yes doing the clown he works this match up like the technical god he is and you have to hear vince mcmahon being like don't let this clown fool you he is there's actually a point in the match i remember where brett goes for the sharpshooter at Mm. this point no one has ever broken the sharpshooter Mm. and we're at the semi-main event at SummerSlam, and vince mcmahon goes if anyone can break the sharpshooter or have a reversal for that hold it's Doink the Clown. Wow. And the announcer that yep, yeah, you're right, because he's probably one of the best. <laughs> like, he's doing, like, STFs, nerve yes! holes. Yes! Like, the type of thing you would, wouldn't be out of place in a modern wrestling oh, match. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So happens that the guy's dressed like a clown, like. <laughs> uh, a more pure, simple time when you have an arena of children going, go, Brett, go, as an evil <laughs> clown goes, no, shut up there. <laughs> Fantastic. A more innocent age. Now, I wanted to know as well about doing submission move we, we mentioned, the uh, mm. the stump puller. Now, oftentimes we have to ask this question on this podcast, Joe, but uh, is that a submission maneuver that you would like applied? Do you think yes. it'd be a good stretch?
1: Definitely. <laughs> yes.
0: What would click if I did that?
1: Uh, I don't know. Maybe my hips. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I'm scared of doing that one.
1: The thing with all these submission moves is I always think I would really like them. And then you put me in them and I'm like, no, it hurts. (laughs) Like, I always thought the figure four leg lock would be nice. And you did it. It really hurt.
0: Yes, because the pressure is on, like, not a joint. It's on a bone. Like, it's absolutely horrible, you know. Imagine if I actually knew how to do it as well. Like, you know.
1: Like the Miz. Yeah.
0: Uh, the other finisher that Doink has that he busts out of this one, which is the whoopee cushion, where he jumps off the top rope and, like, squats and sits down. Yeah. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. You wouldn't be doing that too often. <laughs> your spine will come out your bloody brain.
1: There's one moment where he does it and, like, Brett kicks him or something. Or he his pulls the knees the, up, yeah. yeah. Um, Except Doink lands on the top rope and he, he like, low blows himself. Basically, he lands on his balls. Yeah. <laughs> and uh i love that as a clown i think that's good as, as a clown. I think you should be taking shots to the balls a lot
0: particularly as well it lets you get a line of commentary from bobby heeded which is he's been de-doinked big <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you wondering what you can call your genitalia try him your doinks yeah you know could work <laughs> you know maybe not if you try to seduce anyone or anything like that I might get him mad at the moment a little bit jerry however while doink is in the sharpshooter screaming and pleading ...comes in and beats the shit out of Brett with a crutch... ...and it's very funny as Brett is being beaten half to death with a crutch that all the referees are like no 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 stop to Bruce Hart yeah. who's still trying to <laughs> cause a scene you're to interfere like, yeah no.
1: something going on in There's here king it's important interfering at the moment but his crutch literally snaps in half he's like proper wailing on him if
0: you remember in um, Brett's book he was like he was really pissed off about this that really? Jerry Jerry apparently laid it in really <sighs> stiff like and he beat the shit out of him with that crutch wow. it didn't look fairly gimmick it didn't bend like a gimmick no, no, crutch it, normally it would it and
1: it was proper wood
0: yeah so we didn't watch the rest of this because I figured for a Jerry Lawler episode, we'll go into the Brett feud in a little bit more depth. But in terms of high profile, I think that's as, as high profile as they can get. And I was I was very impressed with Doink in this outing. This was a nice marriage of the silly, over-the-top cartooniness of the time. But also the grounded reality of the wrestling ability of Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. That I think you couldn't have had this silliness without someone like Bret on this roster at the time. Letting everyone know that wrestling's still here. And it's yeah. not going away. It's not going to be replaced by pure panto silliness.
1: He's so good for setting an example to the rest of the locker room yeah. and being like, look, it's not beneath me. Why the hell would it be beneath, right. beneath you? I
0: mean, there was no point in this match where I was taken out of it and kind of going, it's a bit silly though, isn't it? Brett Hart is wrestling. It was like, you actually got me to believe yeah. that Brett was in a scrappy technical fight with a clown.
1: I mean, I would say that's my biggest issue with this match. I gave it three and a half stars out of five. The wrestling itself was awesome. But... I want, if I'm going to see a clown wrestler, I want him to do clown shit.
0: So you want there to be...
1: Gimmicks and the stuff. The gimmicks. Yeah. I
0: feel like, yeah, with Doink matches with, with Matt Bourne, we either had the technical prowess... Yeah. ...or the gimmick. Yeah. We rarely got the two... The both. ...melded yeah. together in a match. I that's felt really like, yeah. that's
1: really what I want to see, yeah. is I wanted to see Brett try and counter...
0: Double Doinks the, or... Yeah. ...some like, illusion or... Yeah, yeah, the
1: squirty water button or a whoopee cushion. Whatever. Like, something silly that he has to try and, like, seriously get out of but we didn't get that and once the match actually started the the silly clown gimmicks sort of stopped yeah so that was a shame because yeah i would have given it a higher score i think if we'd had more of that because I, I just like he didn't really need to be a clown for this. Yeah. it could have just as easily been matt bourne versus brett
0: that's that's kind of interesting about it because i kind of feel like maybe this is the point where they think this heel gimmick is maybe running its course a little yeah, bit. Yeah, maybe. Because I feel that like they were, even though it got such heat, and it's clearly, it's ingrained in everyone who watches it. It's, their, it's it's part of their childhood bedrock, maybe <laughs> or trauma, depending on your opinions about clowns. But I felt like even in his most over-the-top silly phase, Vince McMahon was never going to put a championship belt on Doink the Clown.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I never want... I don't think that would have worked.
0: Yeah, I think Doink is like a spoiler type of a thing, maybe. You know, or Doink is being like kind of...
1: Yeah, he's a great, like, barrier. Or a, yes. Or a, a cock block, but not sexy. <laughs>
0: like
1: You know what I mean? Like, he, he should be something for people to overcome and tear down. That's what makes him kind of frightening, I think. If you suddenly make him a champion, it's that ruins the whole dynamic
0: well Matt Bourne was on top of the world at this point big paydays you know Wrestlemania SummerSlam yeah Bret Hart know,
1: matches lucky guy doing
0: very very well for himself indeed uh, to the point where he has just bought himself a big old McMansion he has got a solid gold bathtub with doink engraved on it in his it's bathroom. It's like
1: written in diamonds or something. Yeah. It's so funny. There's all these but stories that I... he'd be
0: doing these coke binges in his mansion and he was lying in his big doink bathtub in, in the gimmick with a cigar coke Probably everywhere still
1: got his makeup on from the match because he's disgusting <laughs> yeah
0: yeah wrestling didn't really clean up in the 90s folks don't no. let don't, don't let the trial in 93 uh, fool you or anything right. like that
1: i am slightly obsessed with the idea of matt bourne having this doink tub yeah like do you what do you think happened to the doink tub long term do you think it still exists somewhere
0: i mean i feel it's like it's got a, it's like the ed Stone, like of the uh of wrestling gimmicks i feel maybe there's a, a corner of the giant warehouse in stanford connecticut where they have it in there because technically it's ip of of the world wrestling federation this is
1: the thing and i i talk about this all the time i don't know if i talk about it much on the podcast but i definitely say it to you constantly i wish wrestling had like, WB specifically, I wish it had, like, uh, kind of like a Universal Studios, like, set location in Florida or Connecticut or somewhere where you could go around and see all of, like, the IP. It's been I talked love... about
0: for years. Imagine
1: going into, like, a dark room with the evil doink clown music and then just a spotlight comes on and it's the <laughs> bathtub uh. with, like, a guy dressed as a clown with a cigar. Well, it I know. so good. It could be, like, performance art. I w- honestly would pay, like, Two hundred dollars to go visit somewhere like that. Well,
0: that was a preview of mine and all of your collective nightmares tonight, then. <laughs> uh, have a listen to the music. Have a listen. You know, get into the headspace. WB, eat some, eat some cheese. <laughs> hire me,
1: hire me to make this a reality because it would be so good. I've got so many ideas.
0: So he is kind of on top of the world, but as is off the way in the nineties in wrestling the difference between Top of the World and Bottom of the Heap is literally one day to the next. Yeah. Because he is, you know, the next night after this SummerSlam match with Brett, they do a bit with him and Jerry Lawler where Doink pies Jerry Lawler, calls him a silly burger king. He's turned face. He's a good guy now. And it's like, okay, Matt Bourne's going to get a second lease. Now the clown is going to be a fun-loving clown who plays pranks and tricks and all the heels, which honestly is... It's the the natural idea you think that the gimmick would be in the first place. It's a clown who's going to be silly and fun and people are going to want to see it.
1: I don't want a clown attacking just the heels. I'm fine with them attacking heels a chaos if they clown. also yeah, attack faces. <laughs> but I don't want like just a good guy clown.
0: Well, literally days after that fact, he served his walk-in papers and Matt Osborne is no longer employed by the World Wrestling Federation. And the fans wouldn't have even known. Because literally the next night at the house show, we had another guy portraying him. And this was a guy by the name of Ray Apollo, another journeyman wrestler who'd come through the territories. But he uses a jobber and a hand in WWF and similar size and build. Maybe a little bit uh, a little bit kind of slimmer mm. uh, or kind of broader of shoulder. But yeah, the new, the new doink, the doink who actually you would have first been exposed to yep. and kind of fell in love with, mm-hmm. was not Matt Bourne. This new guy was Ray Apollo. But the thing is, is this is that, you know, if you were maybe subscribed to the Dirt Sheets or rigging up the hotlines, maybe you'd find out from Mean Gene. But uh, I doubt
1: Mean Gene would be saying that on the hotlines. Most people didn't
0: know. And apparently, Mad Born, this caused huge issues for him because he's left now and he's trying to kind of establish himself as a name and people don't even realize that he's not on tv anymore yeah you know that's and that's going to be one of the most uniquely strange feelings in wrestling ever because mm-hmm. i think we've had rip-offs and we've had people trying to redo stuff and you could go hey look at that man that's bogus but in the days before social media and mm-hmm. the internet
1: just being replaced and like
0: you've just been replaced and you're sat there and you're gold bathtub that has the gimmick written on it and someone else is doing it yeah. and no one's going oh it's a new doink by the way it's like there he is the same doink the mm-hmm. like gaslighting the nation like. yeah.
1: and
0: i can't imagine that played over well with someone as fucked up oh, and prone to self-destruction and,
1: and general destruction, and general destruction
0: yeah. as uh as matt bourne yeah so how do you get over the fact that you've got a new doink and you maybe want a little bit of a smoke screen so people don't get a little bit wise immediately as to the fact that you know no shade at ray apollo um and i don't want to praise matt bourne too much you know piece of shit and all that he seemed to be at, at points of his life but um you know you're Going from someone who was definitely like a, a very skilled guy in the ring, a very unique talent, and someone yeah, with who, a
1: legacy, with
0: a legacy, and someone who maybe was able to give a gravitas or or a depth to a character that could very easily come across as like paper thin and very silly. I, mm. Basically, what I mean to say is, Matt Bourne isn't the easiest person, better or for worse, to replace.
1: Yeah, And no, I think it's definitely Ray Apollo had it. I think he had it hard in a way, like yeah. easy in a way, because the character of Doink is quite vague. And specific in in helpful ways in both aspects. But also, yeah, because he's continuing on from Matt Bourne, who would have been very well connected. And I'm sure, like, even though he's a piece of shit, like, and people probably hated him... You know, they knew him. He was very yeah. familiar, especially to the boys. And
0: also as well, you had Steve Kern as well, who was probably thinking he'd get airdropped into yeah. that doink gimmick as well, you know? Probably
1: looking over your shoulder, constantly scared of, like, the other doinks that are going to come get you.
0: It's so funny that this was a gimmick that I was literally told as a child by Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon and Shane Douglas and all these you know, great names in wrestling. Like this gimmick is the kiss of death. <laughs> it's the worst thing. And you've got all these old timey, like proper fucking journeyman legacy type wrestlers. You wanna be I him. wanna know I fuck you no, I'm doing. Fuck you, I'll take no, your I, eye. I'll kill you. I'll kill you,
1: I'll kill your mother.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like that it, it kind of exemplifies the kind of dark yeah. side of doing that. Even the people themselves betraying it were at each other's throats, so to speak. But the great smoke screen is you have a Survivor Series coming up. Doink has turned face. And you got Bam Bam Bigelow's got his team of all these rough and tough customers. And this is starting like Bam Bam and Luna's feud with Doink. That would lead to the WrestleMania match that you were so fond of. love. WrestleMania 10, which we did for Luna and for Pay-Per-View Classic on our Patreon page. Such a good show. Honestly, one of my favourite reviews for yeah. I've ever done, Me ever. Too. Pure joy. If wrestling ever had a happy ending, it happens at WrestleMania yeah. 10, baby. <laughs> But they did a thing at Survivor Series where it is a team of all doinks taking on Bam Bam Bigelow's team. So we got to see Bushwhacker Luke doink. (laughs) Bushwhacker Butch doink. Men on a mission so They're not introduced
1: doink. As the bushwhackers though. It's literally just Luke Doink Luke Doink
0: <laughs> And Butch, Butch doink. doink Yeah And I don't want to say That you know I don't take away From Matt Bourne's You know Psychological abilities And the fear he instilled In us all But out of context If you see Toothless New Zealander Old timey Scary Gnarled up Luke ah, Still
1: in the dungarees Like they're not yeah, Dressed as Doink
0: Licking fans And then yeah. turning In this clown And just clapping, oh, Boy right, might
1: Beauty
0: it's so fucking scary. Yeah. I'll tell you though, men on a mission as Doink the Clown. Oh, I
1: love that. That was kind of a, a vibe, I think, an aesthetic. I liked it. It was kind of juggalo-ish.
0: Yeah, Mabel really got into it. He had a big, yeah. he had, a, had a, a big, big happy face on him when he was doing it. Yeah, you had Mo, you had uh, Oscar there. So we had no less than five Doinks in this match. <laughs> when then also the real Doink came out at the end and caused a distraction. So Team Doink was victorious. All five doinks standing toe to, toe to toe to toe to toe to toe And this led to one of my favourite rulings in WWF history. <laughs> there can be only one doink. There are too
1: many doinks.
0: There are too many doinks. Much like the Highlander, there can be only one. Yeah. And it's funny because Steve Curran would have literally cut off Matt Osborne's head to become Doink oh, the yeah. Clown at one point. Definitely. And all the energy would have come out. Of... <laughs> <laughs> so this led to a glorious segment That happens a month before
1: Christmas? That's because apparently they didn't have a pay-per-view in December at that time. Okay. So all of their Christmas references up until like they first have that I can't remember what wrestling show it is they do it in December now but up until then they do all the Christmas segments in like November <laughs> so it's always like a month early
0: so yeah we have Santa Claus coming out to give a gift to Doink he was a little upset when he's told that there is only one Doink allowed oh, now in the sad. World Wrestling Federation for Doink. so Santa Claus comes out with a bag and inside and, like, it's such
1: a scary it looks like Jake Robert's snake like, <laughs> the way he's like dragging it and, and it's b- kind of rising, rising. <laughs> yeah and you're like what <laughs> the fuck's in that bag? It's really scary. And this l- is the thing. How is that a face thing? It's yeah. so frightening. Well what
0: I love about this is that clearly there is some deep rooted trauma with doing still because Vincent Van is like, DOINK the Clan, ladies and gentlemen! Everyone loves him and we cut you. I counted five different kids all of whom are looking down or like wiping Crying, their eyes and then yeah. we finally get to one who's incidentally smiling and Vince is like ah, ha, ha, kids love Doink the Clown <laughs> he's a clown he's fun everyone loves clowns in spite of what we've been explicitly demonstrating for you yeah. for the last year and a half on television <laughs> so yeah the fans love Doink now seriously kids you love Doink yeah. now alright yeah, you fucking love him or you we'll love take him. your eye if you don't love Doink you'll love him now that he has a scary tiny Doink <laughs> to have with him as well yeah
1: so he opens up up this santa's sack and out <laughs> crawls a tiny clown and it's it's dink because they say originally he's called doink it's just doink. like me doink and that is quite cute the way he says that like i don't i still don't buy baby face doink but the way he is like he has this kind of weird sudden innocence to him when he's played by ray apollo yes which i find creepy and cute but yeah it's the way he's like oh it's like me it's like it's. Doink. and then me and jean's like no what did we say there can be only one doing so he's dink he's dink so we've got a little dink now, now which is the funniest name ever
0: folks i, I know i mentioned earlier brett the hitman hearts i know uh, master blaster bobby Lashley has also been mentioned as a, as a fave but i think if we got you on the right day of the week and you were feeling a particular sort of giddiness you might admit that Dink the Clown is one of your favourite wrestlers. Yes. Is that fair to say?
1: It is absolutely fair to say. And I'd say the reason we're doing an episode on Doink the Clown is because I begged you to let us do an episode on Dink. And you were like, no, but Compromise we will do an episode on Doink and you can talk a bit about Dink.
0: Yes, in the infinite universe of Doinks, there is, of course, only one Dink the Clown. Mm-hmm. And Dink the... special. Dink the Clown got over with this audience because... As soon as he comes out of that bag, you know, they always say if it comes out of a box, it's, it's over. over yeah. Comes out of a bag, yeah, it's pretty over as well. As soon as they start, they do the double vision thing. They you know, they they mimic each other at the same time, and the crowd, like, you can hear them. They're all laughing. Like, yeah. they, they really like it.
1: I mean, the guy who plays Dink is so good. Yeah. He's such a great performer. Like, he gets the clown shtick immediately. Yeah. Like, there is a skill to clowning. Like, it's so over the top and slapstick, but there is. There is skill to it. There are
0: a lot of times interesting, and as you know, recent as the you know the 2000s, because Boogeyman Man had a mini boogie at one point, and yeah. it was you know kind of a bit clunky or whatever. But there's at least a synergy here with these guys. Like, we watched some of the the kind of you know the squash matches that did with Dink, and you know he, he is. Not just something that's used at the end of the match, the whole match he is using Dink, you know, they are in tandem together. It
1: reminds me honestly of like the shield. Yeah. <laughs> the way they would like, but, like seriously. Show. Oh, and that
0: night when Dink was unavailable and then Kurt Angle came out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: seriously like the way they they're, they're such a team and it's really nice to see them work so well together because he kind of uses dink as like a weapon at points yeah he'll, he'll like
0: throw dink shock him
1: around
0: he'll throw dink on a wrestler and the rest is like what the fuck is this and then doink will count to three count yeah. on, the, on the guy and the guy's like wait what the hell and then doink will actually roll him up for real then the or referee like, will count him out
1: doink will like distract his opponent and get them to like run towards him and then meanwhile dink will like crawl on all fours behind the guy and then Doink will push them over, over Dink. So it's like they're working constantly. They're in such synergy and Dink is so fast. He's so fucking fast. The way he just runs is like, it's so it's so it's honestly reminds me of like bret hart and mr perfect that match we were talking about earlier like there's the speed and the way he runs the ropes it's just like it's hard hitting he's a great wrestler there's a you
0: know there's a quite a lengthy history of you know little people and people with dwarfism involved in professional wrestling i've it's, always it's not,
1: loved it it's
0: not always been no uh, it's such a
1: shame it's not taken more seriously because i yeah. would love to see more people with dwarfism get to wrestle seriously because like awesome diversity why wouldn't we want that
0: but like, you know i i have been blown away in the past you know you know the stories in brett's book about the shit that you know the the traveling yeah. uh wrestlers with dwarfism you know they had to put up with you know, he, he had sympathy for them but it's you know they were treated as kind of you know this kind of tacky a addition yeah. a joke or whatever it was i remember we did season uh, four of the additura podcast and they introduced the minis division and yeah. you had max Mini, who i think is honestly one of my favorite Wrestlers of all time, because he he was so small and so fast, yeah. and you're not used to seeing someone of that stature move with that speed. And yeah. Dink is like greased fucking lightning. He's
1: so fucking good. I love him so much, and he really like elevates the character of Doink.
0: Yeah, because it's like you're still continuing that idea of there are loads of different Doinks, mm-hmm. you know. But and he's the
1: one who he's special to him because he's the only one he's allowed. Yeah, and they do have this like special connection like at Wrestlemania 10 it's really cute when they they lose that match and then they just like hold each other and it's like they just like they seem like so loving
0: yeah, yeah there's very few like just straight up buddies in wrestling yeah. where people just like each other and there's not kind of like oh because we're, we're going to become the top guys it's just we're friends and you it know? feels <laughs> almost
1: like there's a species of doink that exists <laughs> this like clown species and like through doink and dink we get like a little window into that world <laughs> And it's so scary, but so kind of special.
0: So tell me, Joe, before we get into our maths, I know you did a little bit of uh, research on on Dink. I'm very interested to know about the the life and times, the career. Take this, as it were, as a mini episode within an episode. (laughs) This is how to Dink.
1: Well, it's not really an episode with an episode. But I did think I'd just... Talk a bit about the performer, because I don't think people, you know, Dink is remembered, but I don't think the guy behind Dink is necessarily uh, known about, even though he is a really prestigious wrestler in his yeah. own right. And that's something I'm really passionate about is like, as I said, I really care about the idea of getting people with dwarfism in wrestling and taken seriously.
0: So Because I think there's a lot of people who might kind of go, Oh God, you know it was kind of it was awkward, or it was uh, it was offensive, or cringy, or how I mean, it was presented. It, so let's just yeah. wipe it from history. And I
1: think that's so sad because yeah, a lot of those
0: performers don't want their history no, to be wiped.
1: They're legitimate athletes, and yeah. they deserve recognition. There's and a middle
0: ground between recognizing that some of the portrayals were bad, but also they're performers, they're athletes, they were putting their bodies on the line as much, if not more, so. Yeah than you know the other wrestlers on the roster and
1: i do think it's important to acknowledge that they were treated really badly yeah those performers they were sure. paid much less money the standards that they were kind of given were much lower like their their accommodation the travel everything they didn't was get just, merchandise no, they, they didn't were just get, all you know, expected like paydays yeah they're all expected to kind of travel together in like yeah. a small car like they're literally treating them like they are clowns yes. like it's just it's disgusting And it's really sad because these people are legitimate athletes with very, very good skills. So the guy who played Dink the Clown is a Quebecan-Canadian wrestler. Because of course he is, because he's amazing and all the best wrestlers are from Canada. (laughs) And he's called Claude Giroux. He's still alive. He's in his late 60s. He performed as a few different characters. He, he After Dink, he did kind of make a name for himself being like the mini version of other wrestlers. So, yeah, there
0: was a run in the late 90s where there was like, you know, Mini Mankind, Mini yeah. Vader, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. yeah. So
1: he played, and I apologise in advance for the extremely offensive name that he was given, but he wrestled as the Macho Midget in the 1990s. as kind of like a... a macho v- Man. A Macho gimmick. Man yeah, pa- yeah, yeah. Kind of parody, yeah. Uh, which is... Sad, but I haven't seen the performances, so I'm sure because he's a skilled wrestler, he probably did a great job. But he was actually quite well known in the 1980s, okay, as wrestling under the name Tiger Jackson. Oh, yeah, I've heard that name He's, before. He was quite famous. He and... would have went
0: up in Calgary and stampede yeah, and absolutely. stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Amazing. He, uh,
1: he yeah, it was quite a big name, actually. And he would often wrestle with his brother, Lionel Giraud, who wrestled as a character called Little Beaver. He wasn't... Little Beaver, yeah, yeah. Are you, you're familiar with Little yeah, Beaver? Yeah, no, he was
0: mentioned in Brett's book Loads, Little really? Beaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Man. they were both,
1: like, you know, again, serious athletes. Yeah. They did the circuits. They were, like, one of the boys. Like... Amazing. But when the uh, gimmick of Dink was phased out... Giro left the WWF and he went back to kind of doing the indie circuits in like the late nineties. But he did make a brief appearance on WCW as Tiger Jackson, which I thought was quite cool. That was when they went to uh, Montreal, because it's his home territory. So ah, I, the idea. I see. I did want to try and find out what his opinion was on the, uh, the screw job. job. <laughs> but I figure... If, Dink
0: screwed Dink. If, yeah, they, if Dink they were... they made a very selfish decision, quite if, frankly. They
1: were probably part of Stampede. I think we know what the, yeah, the thoughts so. were on that one. Dink
0: walked out along with Rick Rude and the Bulldog. And... All
1: fun fact I discovered from his Wikipedia page he actually made a brief appearance at Joey Janella's Spring Break oh
0: it's been a GCW
1: is that GCW? yeah 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 oh right. I didn't know that I just always know it's Joey Janella's Spring Break yeah yeah but that's, that's more recent then it's 2017 really? Yeah. Uh, in the first ever clusterfuck match <laughs> where he bit vader scott on the bum amazing and eliminated himself from the match so fantastic that's du- so cool dude's a legend i love him
0: i do want to mention as well because uh, gcw there is another connection there with doink because there was this lad who was constantly on the alabama circuit who just wrestled as Doink the clown you know yeah. just like hey i'm Doink the clown he looked nothing like him he was this a heavyset dude like a load <laughs> of like legendary shit you know car park wrestling matches on youtube of him as Doink the Clan, he gained the name of Alabama Doink. Hmm. And when GCW, they did one of their shows with the Battle Royale, they had Alabama Doink be one of the competitors. Yeah. So move over, World Wrestling Federation. GCW might be yeah. inheriting the legacy of Doink
1: as we know it. But look, as I said, he's still alive. <laughs> he's only in his late 60s. Well, now, I'm sure he can't run like he used to. But enough. let's be real, he doesn't need to. WWE, if you're going to bring back Doink for a silly segment... Bring back Ding! Give Claude Giroux a payday. He fucking deserves it.
0: I'm really happy you found out some stuff about him. That's really I cool. I love him
1: so much. So. I really, <laughs> I, honestly, I really want to check out Tiger Jackson. Well,
0: this brings us to a match that I was a little bit on the fence about because this match was voted the worst worked match of the year in 1994 by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. So of course we're going into something that is critically panned. So we may not enjoy. it. Who knows? This was the Survivor Series encounter from 1994 between Team Jerry Lawler and Team Doink the Clown. Excuse me. It's the royal family taking on Clowns are Us in a traditional Survivor Series 4 on 4 elimination match. Joe, give me the brackets. Who have we got on both teams?
1: <laughs> it's really easy to describe this one. I would honestly show this to like a non-fan. as like, look at what wrestling can be. <laughs> you've got four clowns you've got four kings they're gonna fight (laughs)
0: everyone knows clowns hate kings everyone knows
1: clowns hate kings it's the age old feud clowns versus kings and on the king side you've got cheesy queasy sleazy and jerry lawler
0: oh i thought jerry lawler was those three those are just just adjectives not participants (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) and on clowns are us you've got
0: (laughs) you be serious this is your job I've told you now, I'm be sorry. serious, take it seriously. I apologise in
1: advance, I'm going to be so giddy throughout this match. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. On the clan side, we've got Dink and Doink and Pink and Wink <laughs> are joining them. Oh, I should say cheesy, queasy, and sleazy, and Pink, Wink, and obviously Dink. Mm -hmm. They're all people with dwarfism. As far as I know, anyway, I didn't do research into individual guys. It could be just some of them are very short, but they are all little. Yeah, And it's great. So the the clowns are us. They're all dressed as clowns. They've just got different coloured wigs. And the kings are all just like various shady-looking kings. Yeah, they
0: are. They, these guys look like kind of a, a, a like a bit of a wanted lineup. It's like so they've they, they've literally like picked. The, they had obviously a big stack of <laughs> of uh, headshots, and they're like. Who are the dodgiest looking lads here? Because Jerry Lawler comes out with this kind of smug look on his face, and the lads all dressed the same behind him,
1: like they all look really <laughs> fucking dodgy. Like they all look like proper wrestlers. Like yes. they're, all, they're all like hairy, and like a couple of them have got like mullets and a moustache and stuff. They all look kind of like dirty like, old men. Yeah, like, like, like you see them in the bar drinking whiskey and absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, like, you don't want you don't want to get on the wrong side of them.
0: <laughs> now, for many people, this match is basically the basis of uh, many nightmares that you could have because. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want there to be four Jerry Lawlers and you certainly don't want there to be four scary clowns if you happen to not enjoy clowns. I knew you were going to enjoy all this because like you enjoyed doing so much mm. in the first time you saw him. And like this was the difficult thing about this episode was like trying to figure out which Doink was which. Yeah. Because I was like WrestleMania, that, that had to have been Matt Osborne who was betraying him. Mm. But no it was like you know the WrestleMania that you saw, that was Ray Apollo. So yeah. when you were enjoying Matt osborne slash Matt Bourne's his run is doing so much, I was like, Well, this is gonna be great because the one you really loved is actually yeah, yet to come still. Apollo, yeah. So seeing Ray Apollo get to have this, you know, featured match with jerry Lawler, and they got a lot of time for this one, folks. And if you like a bit of silliness and very often in our pay per view reviews when we are looking at AW and WWE and you know, we're often kinda of going, Oh man, you've had Kick ass, knockout, drag out, brawl with guys bleeding and busting out the chop battles and all that, and then another one, and then another one, and then another one, and we're often kinda of going like Just give me like something a little different. Yeah. You know, a, a moment of respite. It could be a little promo. It could be a match that maybe is slightly more gimmicky or comedic in mm-hmm. nature. Behold the ultimate palate cleanser. that's so
1: fucking good. Because this
0: is unlike anything I've seen in wrestling in years and years and years. Yeah. And no, it's not because it's the worst match I've seen in 1994. This match is fucking awesome. Do
1: you know what it really reminds me of? and I'm sorry if I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but it really reminded me of some of the matches we did when we got into our Yanu phase. Yeah,
0: for sure, yeah, yeah. Or when we did the Colcabana episode, yeah. you know, we did Wrestling Road Diaries 3 and a bit of a deep dive into the, the comedy wrestling. It's,
1: it's so like this. It's yeah. great. And we start off with a line of commentary. I can't remember who says it, but they're like, one thing about Jerry Lawler is the way he treats his little kings. Yeah,
0: they don't like that at all. Like, he Jerry. Really
1: badly, he's a cruel king.
0: Yeah, Doink is a benevolent clown, yes. but Jerry is a tyrant. Essentially, yes. he he keeps trying to use his teammates as weapons, and like ends up hurting them more than his opponents.
1: Yeah, and like he's just like nasty to them. Like Doink is a supportive leader, but Jerry is just like undermining them constantly when he tags
0: in he like slaps them in the back of the head he like pie face him to get out of the ring if one of them gets like any moment of like offense or hope jerry will come in and be like nah not me Me. (laughs) he plays this panto villain to the nines and you know what if you're not gonna get full-on comedy wrestling in a a show and I get that maybe that's not the tone you want to set but I always think that Memphis style it's something that you've definitely been drawn to I think of the honky-tonk man I think of Jerry Lawler I think, you know, Jeff Jarrett in AEW at the moment is someone who is doing a lot of this kind of over-the-top... You called it Panto. You know, yeah. I call it Memphis. The, a bit of a walk-and-talk brother, you know? Yeah. Where it's all pointing to the crowd and telegraphing the silly move and big wind-ups. But man, I was in Stitches watching this. It
1: was so fucking
0: good. And it was really, really funny. <laughs> I love the somewhat confused commentary from Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> He was clearly like one day from retirement, yeah. sat here in a cowboy hat going, well, I think they're a family, Vince, because their names all rhyme. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we get a spot where Jerry Lawler's like lying on his back and apparently the Jerry planned this spot with his kings, but they're doing it wrong. So they're supposed to be running over Doink's stomach when he gets on the floor, but his kings are a bit stupid, they're I think. Out, they're out of time,
0: like. They're out of time, yeah. so
1: they're doing it to Jerry. So they all, like, take it in turns to, like, run over Jerry Lawler's stomach to, like, fight each other.
0: Absolutely love and that. And
1: Jerry's selling it so much, like, a cartoon character, like, oh, ah, ee.
0: They play up, like, the threat of Jerry maybe getting his hands on one of, like, the smaller clowns is, like, kind of, like, oh, you know, but it's not like it's this kind of doom and gloom over the match. But there are all these moments where, like, just as Jerry, like, you know, is caught with his pants down or whatever is you'll have like Dink runs in and puts a Burger King crown in his head and <laughs> runs out and he's like what the you know it's so like the timing because seeing there's eight people involved probably what five of which aren't regulars mm-hmm. in the company this is match is pretty damn seamless.
1: It's so good. You and know we, they're
0: not making goofs and gaffes. You think that they would? I thought it would be a clusterfuck. You know.
1: We get another spot where Jerry Lawler gets run over his stomach, and this time we get it from the clowns and the kings.
0: Oh, this is when they did the quadruple crisscross, where like <laughs> you had four clowns running the ropes, and you had and three all kings. All running over
1: his tummy. Yeah,
0: and Jerry Lawler is just been trodden oh. into the dirt. It's probably the most offense I've seen Jerry take in a match. <laughs> ever because he is kind of the, the ring general
1: i guess oh yeah like, no give definitely yeah and then all the clowns get a go at trying to pin jerry lawler and then all the kings get a go at trying to pin doink
0: and we have the kick out they do these kind of they'll do the spot and then they try and you know mirror the spot but it ends yeah. up working out bad for the heel you know yeah. and just little
1: so like one of the like, like pink will try and pin jerry and he like throws them off so wink will try and pin jerry so he throws them off so Dink will try and pin Jerry so he throws them off and then they just reverse it for the kings and it's just or like Doink catches the clowns
0: as they're being kicked out of and he'll slam them back onto Jerry or whatever it is there's a great moment where Doink tags in I think it's Pink he's the one with the pink wig and no teeth (laughs) (laughs) so scary he tags him in and he goes up on his shoulders for a little bit of clown fusion and then Jerry's like oh I see what you want to do
1: and then instead of it being like oh yeah I'll get I'll get the smaller guy to go on my shoulders because he's horrible he's like i'm gonna climb on your shoulders yeah, so he so gets jerry like...
0: literally manages it like this lad is fucking
1: <laughs> the weight of the world guy. on his
0: shoulders he's
1: strong as shit but then he like sells it he's like ah, i've fallen over and stuff so jerry takes another bump i loved how when the Burger King crown gets put on Jerry. He sells it oh, yeah. like it's like made of thorns. <laughs> so good. he's so a good crown at selling. for
0: a Burger King. <laughs> yeah. So Doink does this very impressive dive off the top rope. He rolls through, and Jerry Lawler gets a big handful of the tights, and Doink is eliminated. And quite shortly after, we have Wink and Pink being eliminated. And I couldn't believe we are in this situation. If you had given me this match and like a dream scenario for me be like, okay, last man standing, it's Dink the Clown. The shortest participant in this match is against the entire full team. Yeah. And it is. You've got Dink against the world and he holds his own for as long as he he can imagine. He does.
1: And these kings are fucking nasty, right? So, queasy... He's a biter. And he starts <laughs> biting Dink, and then Dink bites Queasy on the ass, and then Dink bites Jerry's ass. There's so much biting in this match. I absolutely love it. And there's a moment as well where Queasy spins it's just before Pink's eliminated. Well, he puts him on his head, isn't he? He yeah. puts him on his head and he like does a torpedo spin or something, and it just it looks so impressive. It's so awesome.
0: But the fact that you have like this moment where like the crowd get quite you know sad because Doink's eliminated. Dink Doink, Doink literally turns to the camera and goes, "But that's not fair. What's <laughs> yeah. not fair?" And it was like, "Oh," and like hearing the crowd rally behind Dink, and yeah. you do get this moment where he clears the ring and you think he does,
1: and it's really maybe because you know? he's like a legit fucking pro wrestler and he's really good like you get these awesome spots then where it's dink versus the kings and he's just like wailing on them and he's holding his own and as you say he clears the ring at one point and it's so oh it's a feel-good moment it
0: is and jerry of course has to spoil it when yeah. he has to use trickery to beat dink the clown <laughs> four-on-one advantage the royal family pick up the victory in this honestly if there was ever a time for you to reappraise some of the cartoonish stuff of that you know early 90s period so well done. man i this this is kind of what i feel i'm missing from wrestling oftentimes yeah, me too. And i know that like, in mexico you do get a little bit of this sometimes where they'll have the characters which are more designed to give you the kind of comedic performance and i
1: think in japan as well yeah but,
0: but it's yeah. it ain't a dirty word comedy no. you know because
1: wrestling's roots like that's where it, yeah. it would have come
0: from even the most you know hardcore blood and guts loving wrestling fan will admit and you know this is true when wrestling tries and succeeds to be funny mm. there's nothing funnier yeah and i take this as someone who loves all i love comedy in tv theater i love stand-up i love the good old-fashioned limerick i love every kind of comedy <laughs> there is and man there's nothing quite like when you get the 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 physicality meets yeah. the comedy, and they pull this off perfectly. I because thought it,
1: it's it's so reminiscent in some ways of like you know Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton or yeah. someone or, or or like Laurel and Hardy. Like it's just it's so old school, but like it's a lost art. Yes, I think like it, it, it even makes me think of things like Airplane. Yeah, like like Leslie Nielsen and stuff like that. Over the top physical comedy the
0: facial expressions alone from jerry in this match and it's like you know already... he sells so much through his face yeah. in it, you know and
1: we've already lost that i think in movies like it's already passe se to have yeah. physical comedy in movies which is such a shame because i i love that era but now we're also losing it from wrestling as well and it's so sad but oh my god this is so good when jerry wins he takes credit for winning he's like i did it all by myself even though it was his kings that did most of the work yeah, and, he,
0: and he sees them celebrating and he he's like don't you dare victory,
1: pulls their <laughs> arms down so they just go to the outside of the ring and do it there he gets so upset and then jerry because they won't stop celebrating in victory and he hates he's getting really upset he starts to go to attack the kings But then the clowns come out from under the ring. They've been (gasps) hiding there. Clowns and kings join up. And they all join up and they team up on Jerry (laughs) who gets chased away. He's running. He's going to try and leave the arena. But then Doink shows up. My God, Dunk the Clown! God, it's Doink, it's Doink, it's Doink the, the Clown! The pie, the pie, the pie! <laughs> He's got a cream pie, and he Jerry turns around just in time to get pied to the face.
0: And they all run by him one by one and point and laugh yeah, at him. Yeah,
1: and Jerry sells the pie as though it's made from acid or fire. <laughs> it's so perfect.
0: And look, I can get, if you don't like comedy wrestling, and you didn't want this on your wrestling show, and it made you kind of go, oh God, I miss wrestling from you know that the previous era and what it was and we're not getting the seriousness anymore or if you thought that this match was like emblematic of wrestling sliding into being this kind of cartoon that could never come back from but like whatever even all your opinions about that to one side then I don't mean to harp on Dave Meltzer because he's not even he is not the (laughs) arbiter but I take such umbrage with worst worked match yeah they had this crowd mm-hmm. reacting, ooing on, cheering, laughing, grimacing, gasping.
1: And think of like how many
0: bumps did they exactly take?
1: Exactly. That's the thing. And for me that's no the bumps. Wa- like it was it was bump free. This is the safest match you could imagine.
0: And I've watched a lot of a lot of tough enough in recent years and seen people, you know, breaking their backs and hurting themselves and you know the the art of work and the you know, the idea of like, you know, less is more. And I think the appreciation that we have when a wrestling match manages to get these emotions without just doing moves and spots. Not to say I don't like to see moves and spots, absolutely do. But you can't tell me that someone who can get that emotion out of an audience without doing all of those spots is somehow bad work i know because those are the same people who would then later years be like oh there's too many spots over the top slow it down like, like come in the, on, in the like... same breath
1: also be like oh it's shame all my rest favorite wrestlers are all injured and they can't wrestle anymore <laughs> well that's because of the number of spots they're doing and the the viciousness of those spots like it's fine to do those but you are shortening your career by doing them if there were more matches like this wrestlers would be able to retire when they want to yeah. and not because they have to
0: i just don't think it's worth taking your legitimate grievances with how a company was trying to shapeshift after a steroid scandal yeah. and trying to make it like tooth gratingly saccharine and mm-hmm. kid friendly all that sure i get i get all those issues it just let's not get rid of some of the cores here that are really good i i i kind of hate to feel like people think he couldn't go back to this because, it's like, oh no, this is the Dark Ages. We still call it the Dark Ages. I'm like, nah, eh, this, is, this is probably one of the better matches I've seen this week. You know, and I've watched a lot of wrestling this yeah. week and I really enjoyed this. I'm very interested to know your rating for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess what it might be. Yeah. I have a funny feeling that Dink and Doink are about to receive their second five-star award. Will Ospreay is to Dave Meltzer as Dink and Doink the Clown are to Joe Graham. Well, it's
1: funny you say that because I was tempted to go... <laughs> Give my first ever six star <laughs> rating for this, but no, I I'm sticking to the five stars. I'm not gonna break it. I'm not Dave Meltzer. it Yeah, it got a perfect score. It's it's dear God, this is such a perfect match. It's it's so good, and I wish more wrestlers would feel able to do matches like this because I more, know, promoters, I this, more promoters, because I think
0: there's we know there's exactly. a lot of wrestlers out there who can do this. Yeah,
1: well, absolutely. It's I mean, the it, will it of the sh- hard, of the promoter. Like there is a lot of skill that goes on, yeah. and I think having Jerry Lawler in that match probably made things look easy because he is a fantastic... Perf- He's like the master of doing nothing. Yeah. But it does take work and it does take skill and practice. But, oh my God, I just... I loved it so much and I wish there were more matches like this these days and, oh God, it just... Yeah. Yeah. I could just gush about this forever. And you don't
0: usually like Survivor Series matches. No, I, I don't. Remember that's something I that hate you're usually them.
1: quite against. Yeah. So
0: there you go. Not too bad for Doink the Clown. He's acquitted himself it's quite so well.
1: Fucking good.
0: And I do think that you know Ray Apollo again. You know, I think there's a lot of people who've portrayed Doink, but like Ray Apollo has even got his own Wikipedia page.
1: Yeah. You I know? mean, to be fair, look, Doink was barely in this match. It was yeah. mostly the other clowns and the the other kings that's and true, a yeah. bit of Jerry just like taking it all. Which may be part of the reason why I liked this match so much. I love seeing bad men get punished.
0: And, uh, it was a lot of that happening in a this lot of that. Very particular type it of a way. Felt really
1: righteous. Did you find
0: out much about Ray Apollo then? Because I was interested to because he was, you know, I thought it was interesting for you to have a look at it, because he was the doink that was, you know, originally drew you to yeah, the gimmick. So my original I, doink. You know, I knew quite little about him, so did you find anything about him There's much?
1: not really much about him, to be honest. Because as you say, it's like, it's mostly Matt Bourne. When you when you search for information about Doink, it's mostly Matt Bourne that comes up, which is mad because Ray Apollo paid him twice as long.
0: Yeah, that's I true because see- he could portrayed him all the way until 1996. because yeah. after this, Doink was still a mainstay, but he did become a jobber. It was like mm. the kind of the comedy character who you know he'd come out, people go yay, and then you could get a heel over by just beating Doink because yeah. it's, it's an easy way to make a you know a kid hate Adam Bomb or whatever is have him beat up Doink <laughs> or Hunter Hurst Helmsley. I think actually Doink's last match was against. Uh, a, a new Hunter Hearst Townsway, you know. Course. But yeah, did, did you find, Ray, I think you, you found an interview or two with him, did you? I found
1: an interview with him, which was quite funny, because in the interview, he talks about how upset he was that Matt Bourne is always credited as being actual doink. And he's like, yeah, but I played, I played doink twice as long as Matt Bourne, so I don't really know, you know, why he's the one who gets all the credit for it. And um, I also don't like the fact that the fans always say that Matt Bourne's the original pure doink and I I just like stole it from him and I'm a fake imposter and stuff. And then in the same interview, he talks about the fact that there are lots of doinks now these days who aren't played by him. And there are loads. There are loads on the indies and yeah. stuff. And he was like, oh, it's, it's ridiculous because there's all these fake imposter doinks and like... I'm the proper doink. I'm the real imposter,
0: not this imposter. Yeah,
1: Matt Bourne. I'm not a fake of him, but also these guys are a fake of me. It's just like he doesn't even hear himself.
0: It is funny that you see, you know, all these serious interviews with Matt Bourne (laughs) and with Ray Apollo, all these guys, and they're in like full doink clown makeup in like their 50s at some random indie show Mm -hmm. doing a really serious backstage interview being like, yeah, just, you know, I thought that other people didn't run with the doink character quite as well, but... It was, I think, Matt Bourne's original departure that led to this proliferation of infinite doinks. Yeah. The atomization of doink, as I like to refer yeah, to the it. Doinkiverse. Because as soon as Matt Bourne got fired, concurrently we've you know been talking about Ray Apollo, but what happened to Matt Bourne? Well, he goes off and he just well, I've got a solid gold bathtub that has my name on it. I've got the smelly old uh, gear. <laughs> still can do the face paint. He just starts doing doink on the indies, you know, random high school shows. He just starts doing it wherever, wow. you know. He and he shows up in a place where, like, you know. Keep in mind at this point. After he gets fired, he did try to leave the wrestling business. He tried to go straight for a little bit. Uh, his ex-wife in the Dark Side of the Ring said that he literally went on a rampage. Like he just yeah. completely had a, had a had a meltdown.
1: Yeah, apparently he became like, especially physically abusive at this time to his his family. And
0: he was, you know, literally waking up, doing hard drugs first thing in the morning. Like, he was, you know, as Ray Apollo was in his Ascenters as doink, Matt Bourne was the worst he had ever been physically and mentally.
1: There was a thing that she said, his, his second wife, Michelle, she said that one time he went to a bar or something and he saw her ex-husband and he, like, just decided to, like, a fight with him for no reason he was like oh how dare you you've been talking to my wife or whatever and the guy was like well no i really haven't but he was obviously in this drug frenzy and so they they have this fight and the police come they tase him he fights the police and he gets arrested and put in jail fucking
0: hell it's it's literally because he's trying to work a straight job at this point it's literally like the wrestler where it's like he can't leave the business like, like
1: he is i mean a very strong man and on a lot of very scary drugs and apparently, when he was in jail, he ri- literally ripped the sink off the wall.
0: Jesus, Mary, and like, Joseph. can you imagine
1: the the strength? And he's meanwhile he's abusing his fat. Like, it's just fucking horrifying. It's really, really dark.
0: Which leads to the question: What wrestling organization, if any, would have yeah. anything to do with Matt Bourne at this point in his career, Especially at this like point in his life,
1: using the the IP that is? obviously owned by the wwf
0: so you have to be a company that has absolutely no regard for copyright or any care for the personal you know demons that Well-being, fucking yeah. shit shit no yeah well my friends there is a little outfit from uh no, really? philadelphia pennsylvania because in 1994 who shows up but doink the clown in ecw <laughs> and this was something as soon as we were announced this episode i got so excited about it because i had always heard rumors about this that matt bourne did this weird kind of meta version of the doink character in ecw mm. and i was so excited to watch it and we watched pretty much all of it and it is greasy weird dirty and what this comes to be basically is what Doink the character would end up being throughout the late 90s, mm-hmm. which is this guy symbolizes everything that sucks about this new kitty friendly family-oriented, silly circus wrestling. It's this stupid clown Doink. I do
1: think it's interesting that at this exact time in WWF, doink is a face so he is and he's got his cute like friend dink and his little other friends wink and pink and he's doing silly gimmicky matches with no bumps and stuff but meanwhile you've got now old greasy doink oh my on god ecw of all promotions
0: i think the most i've reacted to anything in wrestling and i've not been able to stop thinking about it It's it, for at least a month which is the sight of you opening in the dirty ECW arena, all the rabid crowd are there There's and all blood chant on to get him. Floor. And in the corner, the fucking singlet isn't even buttoned up all the way at the bottom. The no, it body suit fit him is part; it doesn't fit him because he's put on a bit of weight. The face is like literally melting off him, and he's eating this fucking big apple, and it's just falling down his face. You're
1: obsessed with him eating that. Apple. He's there.
0: He's sat in the corner, like <laughs> like he couldn't give two shits. And Joey Styles is like. What's that clown doing here? <laughs> we need to eliminate this element from the great sport of professional wrestling. And out comes Paul E. Dangerously's Big Dude Nine One One, who just choke slams him over and over again. And the crowd are chanting, "One more time, kill the clown!" And you've got Paul Heyman going, "This ain't no circus. This is ECW." Like. He is here to prove a point of what wrestling shouldn't be. Yeah. And he is more Even than willing. It
1: isn't like He's not playing the shiny WWF version of Doink the Clown. He's he's like a, a nastier, scarier version of Doink than he's ever been before or since.
0: I did pop when Joey Styles on commentary went, Hey, where's Dink? Where's <laughs> Dink the Clown? And like, by the way, they don't have the copyright for this. No. Much like they don't have the copyright for Enter Sandman or Allison yep. Chains or any of the other stuff that they're going to be nicking on this show or whatever it is. But they do have a cease and desist end to the Matt Bourne. He does get, you know, hit with a lawsuit pretty hard where it's like, hey, you know, you absolutely no right to use this gimmick. And also because it's on our TV show and you're portraying it so grossly Mm. now. That you know you're going to make people think that we're bad, so they're suing him for defamation and misuse of copyright. He countersues them to get his residuals that's for the video game for all the the, I, the Coliseum home video stuff. I would
1: put money on Paul Heyman being the one being like, "Oh yeah, that's what you should I, need to I, do." I actually know a guy. Yeah, <laughs> my father. <laughs> would you like to meet him? Like, he's
0: he's doing like two of my lawsuits already and <laughs> half the fucking locker room. But this then becomes this new gimmick that really doesn't get i don't think it it lives up to the mystique of the hype of what it, it could have been because it never reaches that point because matt bourne starts no show and they don't really go anywhere with this mm. but shane douglas who's meant to be like the the face of this new ecw extreme championship wrestling he wants to erase all the crappy stuff that's come before us he looks at matt bourne and he goes look at this guy this is tough tony bourne's son and look what sports entertainment and Vince McMahon and the circus of wrestling did to him they turned him into a clown and look at him now he's gone crazy and they do these promos where he's there like back turned laughing and he turned half his face is painted like the clown the other half is just Matt Bourne and he's born again now Mm. and the idea being that he has like like mankind the fans this wrestling business have turned him into this horrible caricature of himself and he do these matches where he beat up the opponent at the end of it. He pull on the doink mask over them and starts screaming like, now you have to leave in my hell. You have to live in my hell. And Joey Stiles, the announcer, is like, this guy's a sellout. He wakes up in the middle of the night screaming because he decided to put on that grease paint and become a clown. He took the payoff. He has to live with himself. No one is no one's responsible for Matt Bourne's position but himself. Like Basically saying, if you go to WWE and you take the big payday mm. and you become the gimmick, well, you're going to live this nightmare. It's like a Stephen King novel, basically. Like, ah, you're, you know, this horrible existence that you're in forever now. And, like, the reality was is that Matt Bourne probably was waking up in the middle of the night screaming. And I feel this was one of these gimmicks where as much as edgy 90s teen Kevin wanted to love it, I just kind of couldn't help but cringe a bit at it because I was looking at a guy who was literally in the midst of the worst spiral I've seen and he looked fucked up.
1: I mean, as a performer, it's very effective. And you can definitely see the influence it would have had on Mick Foley when he was playing Mankind. Oh, yeah. Especially because Mick did wrestle in ECW. So yes,
0: same time as well. Yeah. yeah,
1: But ECW is pretty much the worst place for a guy like Matt Bourne to be. Yeah. Like, surrounded by other drug users, surrounded by other very violent individuals with, you know, again, lack of morals, lack of ethics. And... He's taking a lot of drugs at this time, and apparently stuff gets really bad at
0: home. Well, you know, if it's, you're you can't be trusted to be an ECW in the mid '90s. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And it's a, you know, it's a simple premise: like, hey, you're a wrestler, you've got skills, and you've got a grievance. Let's put a camera on you, yeah. and gold will follow, like with Steve Austin, I mean, right? And it doesn't happen, really. It,
1: I mean, it has the potential. He he is a good performer. But it's just the, the lifestyle, it's not good for someone like that. At least in WWF, he had structure, he had yeah. resources and support as little as there was back in the day. But he would have had something. And here there's just none of that. Instead, he's like encouraged, if anything, to jump off the deep end. And his wife says that he came home one day and beat her up out of jealousy She ends up in hospital. She said she couldn't see for two weeks.
0: Fucking hell.
1: So he's charged with domestic abuse and goes back to jail. But the really fucked up thing is when he comes out, he acts like he can't remember hitting her. He doesn't remember, supposedly he doesn't remember any of it and uh, that's
0: just classic abuser tactics i, I know right like, that's all i can see from that i mean
1: yeah maybe he was on so many drugs he couldn't remember but he probably could and either way it's besides but, the point I, mean, I was gonna
0: say d- does it matter if you
1: could remember yeah. or not you doesn't, know yeah just because you don't remember doesn't mean, doesn't it, didn't mean it didn't happen, happen like, like yeah you know? her not being able to see for two weeks and being in hospital for two weeks yeah it's pretty evidential that that's really fucked up obviously so she leaves him and obviously that I don't want to say it causes him to spiral. He was already spiralling for his own reasons, but I think he continued to go off the deep end and acted out much worse at ECW, continued to no show. And yeah, that's when he uh, he leaves. I don't know if he got fired or if he just left.
0: Uh, it was literally, I, I watched an interview with Shane Douglas where he was asked about it. and He was like, he was kind of frustrated because he was like, oh yeah, we had a little something going there. And like, where did he go? And like, oh, he just literally stopped showing up. And yeah. I, I mean, I... I I love ECW and I think some of my favourite moments and characters have come from there and as awful as it was and as toxic as it was in many ways, in, in many respects, I wouldn't change what was going into that soup because that made a lot of impressive things come later on. I think wrestling, you know, wouldn't have become the juggernaut that it did in the late 90s had it not been for the chaos that was bubbling in ECW, hmm. very much R&D on, on, on the edge of wrestling. But matt bourne just kind of fades from from wrestling in the mainstream and yeah. he's one of those few people where like there was a lot of guys who were fucked up you know jake roberts is, is the classic example jim knight there were a lot there were a lot of lads who were quite messed up who still managed to eke out and living here and there on you know certain shows you know certain places they could still go but matt bourne was pretty much consigned to the scrap heap of tiny little indies after that yeah. fact you know i think the closest thing to you know something big happening for him would have been like when they brought back joint for this gimmick battle royale at wrestlemania 17 we did that for our, our uh, pay-per-view classic mm. if you remember and that was like a really big moment because that was like for me, that was like I was introduced to all these colourful characters, and that came a point where it was like people stopped grimacing at the silly past and could start being like, "Hey, look, this this silly tugboat and the gobbledygooker," and like mm-hmm. la- getting to laugh now as opposed to just being angry about the silliness. But that was portrayed by the Brooklyn Brawler at that point, and the Brooklyn Brawler would go on to be doing pretty much in all the appearances that doink would have in mm. wwe i think there was one appearance of matt born we saw for battle royale in like 2007 mm. and he looked kind of quite gaunt and skinny yeah but they they weren't like it's the original. It's just like hey it's doink it's yeah. clown the wrestler yeah and like when doink appears you know we watched a lot of doink appearances from his later days it's not the psychological mind games weird kind of doink or yeah. it's not even the ray apollo good times with dink doink it's just wrestler the clown
1: yeah it could be anyone went down to the pound shop got a
0: clown costume Mm -hmm. there you go
1: put it on an actor it doesn't yeah it's like the wrestling isn't particularly good it's just yeah it's a bit sad really
0: so it just becomes a kind of a quick little punchline, and you know even when some of wrestling's kind of silly cringy past gets embraced doink i felt was one of the last things that did and i always wondered if that was in some part because the man who was so most strongly associated with had such a checkered past and present, mm. you know? Do you think that made them kind of dial back on the doink a little bit or didn't want to embrace it? I don't know, because I, I feel know, like it's maybe. quite recognisable.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, I think one of the last bits they hit on the Dark Side of the Ring episode, and it was really goddamn depressing. It was towards, I think it was like 2009 or 2010, mm. but the dark knight had come out with heath ledger as the joker so matt bourne decides he's gonna cash in and he becomes reborn again so he does a kind of a heath ledger version of doink the clown and like he just kept doing the doink gimmick on the indies yeah something really weird i couldn't get to the bottom of was i saw listed on someone's profile i think it might have been ray apollo no it wasn't it was some of the guys who portrayed him in the nwa but it literally said, he is one of the six men licensed to portray Doink the Clown.
1: Wow, the a Doink license.
0: And just, I was wondering what that was. If there was like a gratuity you paid, you know, WB and Titan Sports yeah. to do it. But it seemed that at least some people who were doing Doink on in the Indies Have, were, were yeah. kicking up.
1: Right, okay.
0: But yeah, uh, I don't think Matt Bourne doing a Heath no. Ledger impersonation. Well, it's, let's just say, Matt Bourne in his 50s, in a t-shirt and jeans dressed up like heath ledger joker is fucking scary yeah and he gets involved in quite a notorious little shoot fight and i can't believe i'm saying this with one of the the nicest most cuddly men in wrestling wrestling's willie nelson and not just because of all the weed it's hacksaw jim duggan
1: and it wasn't supposed to be a shoot fight like beforehand matt bourne is like i want i want this match to be extremely violent I'm going to take a chair, a real chair. I'm going to hit you over the head with it.
0: And then you get the two by four and you jam it down my throat.
1: And uh, Jim Duggan's like, what? No, we don't need to do that. Let's just do a nice walk and talk and get the crowd to chant America a bunch.
0: Yeah, that's all Hacksaw does. He says, USA and he goes ho
1: oh. like, have you seen much of Hacksaw no not
0: at all he's, he's Billy's fave wrestler oh, really? other than Eugene Eugene who also by the way Eugene Nick Dinsmore portrayed <laughs> Toink the Clown really? in that APA barroom brawl we watched for Vengeance wow. also on pay-per-view classic." Wow
1: okay. But yeah,
0: Hacksaw Jim Duggan is not a... No. He's not a shoot fighter. He's hey, yeah. former football player who points at things. Yeah, he's
1: barely <laughs> even like a technical wrestler no. or anything like that. Like, he's, he's yeah, a Hulk hogan sort.
0: Very much so. So,
1: yeah, he's like, no. And, and then- also, I'm
0: meant to be a very nice guy as well. Yeah. A cuddly bear. So,
1: Matt Bourne's like, okay. And then the match starts, and he just fucking goes for the chair anyway. And he just starts beating up Jim Duggan for real. He just doesn't give a shit that he didn't consent. He's like, I'm going to do this.
0: He punches him straight in the dick Mm -hmm. as in as in matt bourne just goes bam and like you literally see the two of them stood up in the ring and hacksaw's like the fuck's going on brother we shooting or working do you want to work do you want to work there's 30 people in the crowd and jim duggan is like relaying this in this dark side of the ring and he's like you know i think it was about back when we were the rat pack in mid-south he blames me for getting him fired because I hit the fan and then he kicked the fan and kicked his eye out of his so head. So
1: ridiculous. And like,
0: dude, you've got so many problems in your life. There's so many issues. You've got kids right now who are like, you Estrange, know, completely estranged. Completely
1: not allowed to see him. He's not allowed to see them.
0: And like the few that Kids that he has that he is allowed to see, they're in awe of him because they think he's like, this fucking superhero mm-hmm. and misunderstood. Like, you know, hearing the kids talk about him who it's are really clearly in awe of him still, yeah. and the, the ex wives who are, you know, one in particular who's like clearly worships the ground this man walks on, mm-hmm. even though he's been dead for nearly 10 years, and he's just here trying to. You know, it's like this kind of weird New Jack shit where it's like, well, you get these fucking blood feuds, you got a list somewhere, man. Like, what is it? Like, you try to get all your beef settled before you die? Yeah. And it's so cringy and sad and it's embarrassing, you know? And that is, you know, one of the last kind of high profile things that happened with him. It felt like in his last few years. That maybe he was starting to turn the corner. That he was cleaning up a little bit. Because there were some photos of him. Where he was looking really healthy. And there was a couple of promos we saw him do. For like some very small independents. Where he was doing some like training seminars. And he looked... Mm. He, he looks really like he'd gotten stuff like, together. Like he turned some sort of a corner. He
1: never looks, even back when he's Matt born in the you know the 80s, he never looked clean.
0: No, he always looked fucked up to some degree.
1: His eyes were always, there was always this blankness in his eyes. But here in like, yeah, the late like 2000s. 2011, 12 yeah, thereabouts.
0: He looks like he things looks are clean, okay. His
1: eyes are bright and sparkling. He looks like a completely different person. And it's around this time that he reconnected with a ex-girlfriend of his from the 80s called Connie Cook and she played a character called Mean Nurse Cratchit which I am obsessed with more evil
0: nurses than wrestling what a
1: great concept yeah an evil nurse <laughs> I would love to see more of that fan-fucking-tastic especially because it's obviously influenced by One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest yeah, yeah, yeah. and the stuff like that and yeah apparently they were they fell deeply in love and it was really sweet and he would like turned it all around and they were really good for each other because they were both a bit kind of unhinged and I think they were both going through some shit together and kind of Trying to work out who they were in this new stage of life. But he was
0: connecting with his daughter again and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah.
1: And he was even connecting, reconnecting with his ex wife, Michelle James. Like they were, they had each other as friends on Facebook and they were like talking to each other. And he seemed honestly in a really good place. He was helping care for Connie's mom, like giving her her meds and stuff. Yeah, she was in hospice care at yeah. the time it was. But he was kind of like partially responsible for her care. And apparently he was doing a really good job with that. So then it's really surprising that. In 2013, he's suddenly found dead. 55
0: years old. Yeah. Which, we were probably coming off the tail end at that time of a lot of very young wrestler deaths, where 55 seemed like a grand old age. Yeah, but which it's not. it ain't. I mean, I've had to retrain my brain because I know fucking normal people who don't just care about wrestling, and we know that that is extremely fucked up yeah, to die. Yeah, it's, it's really young. It's so young, but yeah 55 years old it was reported on you know tmz as kind of like hey doink the clowns passed away or whatever it was yeah and i think myself and most people would have just been scrolling on rest in news and kind of seen that and went oh yeah and probably assumed what just an overdose i guess
1: well and that's what it was when the autopsy was done it was listed as being an accidental overdose and he was found at the time, he was found with
0: morphine, in the morphine system.
1: and Vicodin in massive, massive amounts.
0: Which and leads to this kind of...
1: Yeah, so mm. The Dark Side of the Ring kind of goes over it in more detail, but basically his second family, Michelle James and their kids, they believe that he was murdered by his new girlfriend, Connie. And it's it's really sad. Like, so, okay, the facts are... There were pills missing from Connie's mum's medication. It was all of the morphine and the Vicodin, like two bottles or something were missing. They were completely empty.
0: And there was also kind of a delay between, in her story, Connie. There was a delay yeah. between when she said she found him and when she called... 911. She found him at like 6 a.m. and she didn't call him until like half nine. And he was gurgling with stuff in his mouth. Apparently
1: she found the bottles, they were empty, and she was like, What the fuck are you doing? This is like this is hospice medication. This this can kill you. Like this is really bad. And he seems okay, like he's he's like, you know, he's breathing and stuff, he's snoring, and he goes to sleep and she goes to sleep. And then the next morning at around six AM, she gets up to check on him and he's like foaming at the mouth. And this is where the story gets a bit kind of suspicious. Seemingly. She
0: says, oh, the police report is wrong. I rang my friend and then I rang the police straight away. Yeah, so away. she rang
1: her friend who was a nurse and and held up the phone to him and the frothing mouth. And the friend was like, that's a death rattle. You need to call 911. And according to Connie, she called 911 straight away. According to the police report, she went to sleep for three yeah. hours and it wasn't till 9am. So several hours after six that she actually called 911. But he, he wasn't dead at that point. He was taken to hospital and he died in hospital mm. from a drug overdose. But there is this belief then from his second family that Connie poisoned him and drugged him, basically. And,
0: and yeah, the daughter is... Adamant. Adamant.
1: Completely adamant. She
0: uses the word murder.
1: She uses the word murder, yeah, yeah. They say they try to incite a homicide investigation. And there are some other details around it which which are, they again, make it seem quite suspicious so apparently the day before he died he actually called michelle james his ex-wife and said i'm leaving connie if i die don't let this go and that's according to her according to connie the day before he died he asked her to marry him fucking hell so yeah we've got some different stories here and look it could be it doesn't really matter what i believe right I believe he got back on drugs around that time. So and I... he had
0: serious heart problems this time. They were like in, yeah. in in the dark side of the rain. They were like, oh, we didn't know, but he had heart problems. Like literally twenty minutes ago, you were telling me how he'd wake up in the morning and do hard drugs, yeah. and he would do them for weeks on end. He'd they'd stay up for eight days in a row at one point doing mm-hmm. drugs. They're saying. That ain't a secret if you have heart problems at that point. Because yeah. he had an enlarged heart. And yeah, enlarged the shop, heart so yeah. could literally be a tag on our website. We've talked about wrestlers with mm-hmm. enlarged hearts so many times. And all of them are people who worked physically hard in the ring. They worked out like a demon. And then they partied and took hard drugs yeah, all the and time. And steroids. And you know, much like if you're someone who drinks all the time, your liver will enlarge. If you're someone who is a chronic overeater... Like, your intestines can enlarge to That's compensate. The and it, the heart, your heart will. It's a, heart muscle. Is a muscle. The a muscle, yeah. So
1: it will adapt. It will get stronger, which you don't want it to get bigger and stronger. But the autopsy showed that his heart was six times its normal size.
0: Jesus Christ. Which is
1: really frightening. And obviously, like, he would have been aware of that because there are other symptoms that would have been happening, he would have been experiencing. Now, the truth is, he probably didn't tell anyone about it. And you know, so I, I don't think I don't blame his, his girlfriend or anything like that for not being aware because I think we are responsible for our own health and he was not a responsible person. But I thought I'd go on his like I did a bit of deep diving on this, basically, to find out kind of more about this this murder allegation. Well in
0: fairness, it's not every day, Joe, that we end with talking about a wrestler who's died tragically that we have two families accusing each other of conspiring to murder them. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's even for the darkest Bits of wrestling we've covered. I don't think we were ever at true crime levels like we were right now. So I appreciate you doing this deep dive. And it's really
1: hard to find information about it because no one's really reported on the allegations that he Mm. was murdered. They take the police report kind of almost at face value, but then don't. Because, like, yeah, at face value, the police report makes Connie Cook to look really suspicious. Mm. Like, why did she wait so long to call 911? The fact that the pills were missing the night before, like that would alone, you'd think you'd call nine one one and get him checked out. But I think it's also important to remember with these situations that he was a very violent man yeah. and a very frightening man and a very unpredictable man, and there is a very high chance that she was just afraid and yeah. she didn't feel that she had that kind of influence on him. So where
0: did you look then?
1: So I I actually looked on. I I read the Wrestling Observer. Uh, the entry from the day he was reported on as as dying. Dave Meltzer does these long obituaries about the career and life and everything. He happened to mention that Matt Bourne posted on Facebook shortly before he died, saying how regretful and remorseful he was that he had lost contact with two of his children Mm. and how he really wishes he could reconnect with them. And it was on Father's Day, and it was like about a month before he died, and he was just like, you know... The message was... Look after your kids, because you never know. Don't take yeah, it for granted, because right, yeah. they, they, they won't necessarily always be there. So I was like, oh, okay, He's active. he was active on Facebook. That's interesting. I'll see if I can find anything. And he had a Joint the Clown official Facebook page that he managed, and it's very obviously written by Matt Bourne. Like, it's yeah. all quite unhinged stuff, but right. in character. But through that page, I actually managed to find the Facebook pages of his ex-wife, his kids his current girlfriend at the day he died and also his personal facebook page none of these were private right all yeah yeah. All public, public, yeah publicly listed so i went through and i i looked at the the posts that would have been posted around the time of his death and it really seemed like yeah in like 2011 2012 he was getting his shit together he seemed like a normal well-adjusted person he was reconnecting with his kids. You know, he was back in Michelle James's life and they were sending each other memes and stuff and, you know, being very friendly and supportive to each other. And it was really nice to see. And then about a month before he died, then his page started to get a bit weird so right. he starts like his doink the clown page starts to go a bit like more unhinged say, seeming, and it's mm. like I have so much going on this summer. I don't know if I'm coming or going, but well, that's the way. I like it. Yeah. Miss my brothers.
0: Jesus Christ! But then on
1: his personal page, he's saying I can't wait to see my dad.
0: He'd been passed away at that point. He died ten years ago. Right.
1: So there's something weird going on there. You know that I thought that was weird, but like I was like, oh, maybe that's normal for him. So I I read the comments, and it was not normal for him to be saying stuff like that. All the comments were from his family and friends saying things like, "We're really worried about you," and, you know, "I miss my parents who died, but you know, we can't, we can't like act on these impulses to see them sooner. You know, we'll see them someday again in heaven." Mm. Other people being like, "What the hell is going on with you? You haven't talked to me in a long time now. Please call me. I'm really worried about you."
0: So this, this. His death took place against the backdrop of people worrying and noticing that there had been a change in him, let's just say.
1: Absolutely. Like he was posting some... I don't want to say, like... It's hard for me to say because I didn't know him, but it certainly seemed worrying. P- it made people saying. who
0: knew him felt it was out of character. Yeah, the fact was. that...
1: The fact that he was getting suddenly... Normally, all these messages he was getting from people were just very friendly, normal. Like, hey, how you doing? I miss you. And him being like, yeah, I miss you too, mm. brother. And suddenly they're saying, please call me. I'm worried. I haven't heard from you in a while. Well, you
0: can see then, I guess, why it's still hanging over both of those families. Yeah, like a cloud. definitely. Because
1: from the ex-wife, her family's perspective... He seemed to be doing really well. Mm. And, you know, he was back in their lives. I'm sure they saw that as a really positive thing. They think
0: he's been stolen away from them now. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: then he turns up dead. And I just checked out Connie's Facebook page just to see. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, really, if she was going to be posting on Facebook like, I murdered my boyfriend. Like, obviously, that's not going to be the case. But I just wanted, I guess, to see how she would have been seen by the second family. Mm. And she did post one thing, which made me kind of laugh because it's so obviously like um, just a silly meme that anyone could share. But in the context of his death, it does look suspicious where someone sent her a meme that said, she's my person. If I murdered someone, she's the person I'd call to help me drag the corpse across the living room floor. Fuck me, man. And they shared that like a month before he died. So, I th- look, I personally, as I said, it doesn't matter what I think, but I personally think it's just a case of, here's a man who was deeply troubled, he had many addictions, mm. and a horrible relationship with drugs and alcohol, but he also divided the people in his life and yes. kept them isolated from each other. And, and made them suspicious of each other. And made them suspicious of each other. Yeah. And Connie Cook played an evil nurse, didn't she? Where yeah. she poisoned people. Yeah. And here she is posting a silly meme, well not her posting, but her friend posted a silly meme on her page about murder, and then all of a sudden he... Sh- he I I think, I think he got in a bad place, got back on drugs, and probably and this, you see this all the time. It's really sad. People who previously have drug addictions and then go sober, they don't understand necessarily that you can't take the same amount of drugs. Oh yeah, that you they, did. if they
0: relapse, it's, they it's relapse, a yeah. real a real difficult. So it decision, could yeah. well have
1: been that he took the morphine and the Vicodin thinking, oh, I, I took way more than that back in my heyday. and But he wasn't used to that and mm. it just killed him.
0: Well, you see, I, I'm really glad you did that kind of look into it because I think it just emphasizes what, you know, the end, the end of that Dark Side of the Ring felt like it was. It's just that the, the power that he still kind of had over over those families yeah. i mean we've talked about abusive people in this podcast before people who've had really messed up relationships with their family and i always think back to like jake roberts you know and we saw him in beyond the mad and him kind of cursing the fact that he was still alive and you know wishing that you know he had died when all those people around him had had died and like why, why isn't it me because i want to oh, i'm a scourge on my family i want to be gone and i, I always think like isn't it good that he did hang on because he's in a much better place with his family now. Yeah. And this kind of happens concurrently now where I was thinking about the fact that when I first started doing the research for this episode and you'd look up Doink the Clown and you were seeing less and less about Matt Bourne and you were seeing more like, oh, here's Doink the action figure and here's mm. Doink DLC for WWE 2K20. Yeah, it's all the
1: IP now. And it's
0: like Doink has become the IP. And then like when I just saw that Dark Side of the Ring, I thought like he's been gone for 10 years mm. and his hold on his family you know you might think it's a good thing or it's a sweet thing that he, the memory lives on but like he's caused them such pain in his life and in his death he continues to do so it's, i kind of feel like
1: i really feel as well you know, they were they're obviously very vulnerable like All of his wives had, at least as far as I could tell from The Dark Side of the Ring and the research I'd done, had drug problems of their own. And they were all abused. So they are very vulnerable people. And I don't just think it was Matt Bourne who took advantage. Because after he died, there there was a legal team. I forget what they're called. But they were doing this class action lawsuit against WWE for... Mm. um, Concussions and CTE. It's been an
0: ongoing attempt, yeah. yeah. That guy Spiros, I think his yeah. name is. Yeah. And they
1: basically pressured his second family into pursuing legal action. They tried to sue WWE for causing his death. And it's just like. Shit like I, that just
0: traumatizes families yeah, and delegitimizes. And takes his- People who actually could ever claim and have a chance of getting some satisfaction. I know
1: nothing about law, literally nothing, and yet even I am able to see. You know, the autopsy says drug overdose and enlarged heart. It's nothing to do with his brain. Did he have CTE? Quite possibly, but it was not his cause of death. Yeah. And any lawyer who's saying that you should pursue legal action against the biggest corporation with the most successful legal team in the world.
0: Well, and it just feels like you're making it an easy day at the office for Jerry McDevish Yeah, which is exactly what they did. They don't
1: care, and it, and you know what. It discredits the other victims of the CTE scandal who actually were due justice, who did mm-hmm. die of CTE-related conditions. But he, in this instance, is not one of them.
0: Well, I feel like we've hit upon a next level of troubled wrestler mm-hmm. in when we're talking about Matt Bourne. And I can't believe it's the same episode where we're talking about like the pure joy that even he brought as that character in different ways. And then the light-hearted, goofy nature of that character as it was portrayed elsewhere it does make me kind of think maybe this is why they've just turned it into you know wrestler the clown as something that we can stick in a wrestling game and hey hey i I popped big time when i was playing the 2k game and they put in the special mime you know double vision doink taunt into it and stuff (laughs) like that but i kind of feel like wwe maybe want to keep fans somewhat at arm's distance from the legacy of this character yeah. and who actually helped make it. I think if it hadn't been for Matt Bourne doing that original portrayal, maybe the character wouldn't have had the legs because I kind of feel like that mystique, that kind of intrigue that he created by making it so dark and twisted at the start, made it have legs for it to be then portrayed in other more kind of lighthearted ways. But I think Doink the Clown is just IP right now, and I think Matt Bourne, in terms of his legacy, I mean, I think his legacy is the pain that he's left with his family and the suffering I think that he's he's left there. And mm. I think that it is very rare when I kinda of come away feeling quite dirty and bad inside about someone, but I can't help but feel like he is I don't know. I you know what I think we could all do without in wrestling? And I've said it before, but fuck off with your demons chat. Oh my it, god. It helps no one. And Fucking in these Mick cases
1: Foley. Mick yeah. Foley is one of the worst for it. In the dark side of the ring he is number one talked to camera like he gets so much interview time in this and i get why because he's a big name in wrestling and he's considered to be a positive role model for many reasons which i don't necessarily agree with and he was heavily influenced by matt bourne and doink the clown but jesus christ he says at the end of this he says his weaknesses were exploited by the nature of the beast what the fuck does exploited by the nature of the beast mean?
0: Basically saying that you know the wrestling business took kind of took advantage of his
1: That's such of his a vague, personal
0: failings or whatever.
1: Vague, unhelpful thing to hey, say. Hey, whatever
0: helps you sleep at night, you know. But I mean, for me, it's 2023. It's not 1993. Yeah. De- demons aren't demons? real. Demons aren't real. But oh,
1: it's the boogeyman. Oh, it's it's his fault that we have drug addictions and no fucking health care. I
0: just th- I just think. If I look at it across the world now, and particularly in American parts of America, which are being crippled by opioid crises and addiction, it's not demons, okay? No. Let's it's not it's let's not it demons. For what it is. Let's let's look for what it is, and I think is is we've said it before, but I think when we can move on from talking about these things, I'm, it's great that we can talk about them. Yeah. But let's talk about them a little bit more it's, in depth, or get to grips with it more than just demons. Absolutely,
1: because it's just the way that Mick would group in. The drug addiction, which I, I feel Matt Bourne was in many respects, like many drug addicts, was partly a victim of because it is, you know, seen as, as a disease. Mm. But also, he was an abusive man. Yeah. He he made choices in his life that were bad for him and everyone around him. It's not
0: the wrestling business's yeah. fault.
1: It's not a case of him having no responsibility or having total responsibility. It's a much more complicated... Yeah. It's such a complex situation. And to just dismiss it as demons and group all of those issues in with one another is so dismissive and so unhelpful. And honestly, I think Mick... And other people like him because we see this a lot on these WWE documentaries and all the Dark Side of the Rings. They need to learn the terminology and actually have a think about what Mm. it is they're talking about here.
0: Well, let's not just forget it is not just the history and legacy of Matt Bourne, but this is a shared legacy now. Here's my list that I can come up with of everyone who I know. Who has been Doink the Clown? Oh, the Doinks. We have Matt Osborne. We have Steve Kern. Steve Lombardi, AKA the Brooklyn Brawler. The
1: two Steve's playing Doinks.
0: I know, right? We had Men on the Mission. We had the Bushwhackers, Ray Apollo. Mark Starr, who wrestled for the NWC in the mid 90s, who was apparently licensed to be Doink yeah. the Clown. Jeff Jarrett once portrayed Jeff Doink the Clown. Doing- Ace Darling wrestled a series of matches in the NWA and Smoky Mountain Wrestling for Jim Cornette. As Doink the Clown as well My favourite iteration of this And we got tweeted a few times One night in the build up to Wrestlemania 17 For his match against William Regal Chris Jericho portrayed Doink the Clown Yes
2: I've heard about
0: this And backstage Shawn Michaels Who was in the middle of yeah. his own <laughs> Cough Cough personal demons <gasps> thought that the company was making Jericho beat doing the client Jericho' was like no I'm just doing it for an angle He's like, that's so bad what they're doing man I can't believe you're so much oh, more better than this you doing. I can't believe you're doing I'm not doing it but you are though you're wearing the the mask and the wig oh you my know god uh, nick dinsmore also known as eugene he did portray Joint the clown at the barroom brawl at the 2003 vengeance pay-per-view he also wrestled chris benoit on smackdown as Joint the clown as wow. well alabama doink who had an 18 year 10 years doing dwayne what? henderson we have an incalculable number of doinks because i've heard literally stories of guys showing up to wrestling shows who aren't Fully there yet. Ready to portray a wrestler. And it's like do you want to be a ninja? Or do you want to be doink?
1: Oh god. Get rid of ninjas. Make them all doinks.
0: And an as yet unidentified man. In the 2020 Money in the Bank cursed Stanford Connecticut lockdown ladder match. We did have a rando dude in a clown mask show up. That was apparently Doink the Clown. Okay, he looked
1: nothing like him. Yeah,
0: but in fairness, Bruce Bruce Pritchard looked nothing like uh, Brother Love during that bit either, you know.
1: (laughs) And Vince McMahon didn't really look like Vince McMahon. (laughs) So the closest
0: thing I can think of is to head over to LinkedIn and see who was working in the marketing department and who was essential personnel and got to go into the office that day. (laughs) So yeah, we've got at at least 15 Doinks across across the various uh, channels. Perhaps many, many more. I think there are at least... Genuinely, a hundred people who have claimed to be Doink at one point or another. And you can type in Doink the Clown versus into YouTube and you will find a Doink of your own. I'm sure if you're in a local... If you've got a local indie near you, someone's been Doink. I'm pretty sure there's probably a Manchester Doink knocking around there. Oh God, that's very cursed. Isn't it? Brit
1: Rez Doink.
0: Jesus fucking Christ. Well, before we even curse this episode any further why don't we take a look at your tweets using the hashtag can't wait to say it again how to join
1: First up from TJXIII. I, WrestleMania 9 was my first and seven-year-old me was mesmerized and terrified at the mirroring doinks. He definitely made an impression. Yeah. quite a lot of tweets from people who as kids were traumatized by that doink specifically. I
0: just, I just, you know what? I'm very intrigued because I think there's probably a lot of kids who weren't allowed to watch it but probably watched wrestling and probably <laughs> this shared clown trauma across these great countries and I believe a doink has got a, a, at least a small part in that. <laughs>
1: Next from Not John Brown. I remember during the heel doink run, he once came to the ring for a match while drinking a Pepsi. Don't know why that stuck with me, but it did. So it's confirmed Pepsi is a heel clown drink. Uh-huh. Clowns! Tell Sam Chaplin.
0: Sorry, Sam. Maybe for our next Pepsi swirl, we can dress up as a clown.
1: <laughs> By the time I
0: was doing the clown, at least, so I should have a go. <laughs>
1: next from the Alex Sloan McFoley had the best quote about Matt Bourne he didn't rake the eyes because he had to he raked the eyes because he wanted to
0: ah the sadistic Matt Bourne I mean I'll tell you what it did make me want to watch some more of the kind of the territory days of seeing him as that kind of maniac Matt Bourne or whatever and actually on that note we will be for the next pay-per-view classic we are going to be doing some very old school wrestling indeed we're heading to non-WWF AWA territories that'll be over on the Patreon page
1: yeah, this dude's obsessed with eyes. Just yeah. wants to he wants to eat them eyes.
0: Jesus fucking Christ. I don't so know if you're talking scary. about a bar fight or a wrestling match there. I hope it's the <laughs> latter.
1: Next from Blue Thunderbomb. I'm still of the belief that early Matt Bourne Doing should have went much further than it did. An excellent creepy heel clown was awesome and being a solid in-ring technician made the gimmick even better.
0: I mean, I think it stands to the the strength of the performance that, you know, we mentioned just how short a time it was. Yeah, During a period when, you know, if it was a gimmick that didn't last longer than a year and a bit, it usually wouldn't get remembered that Mm -hmm. much, you know? You can go back to those very early mid 90s shows or whatever, and there's a lot of names there that don't stand the test of time, but it shows you. How effective that performance was. Yeah. You know?
1: Now from CM Johnson77. Don't forget our boy Doink made the cut for the WWF WrestleMania The Arcade game, which featured a whopping eight man roster.
0: I mean, that's wow, big.
1: one eighth of the roster is Doink.
0: Well, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's like. I remember Kevin Nash recently in his podcast was asked about, you know, how much did you get for. You know, did you get two paychecks for being Diesel and Kevin Nash in the new 2K game? And he's like, oh, yeah, you do. But you get a proportion of how many wrestlers are on the roster. Oh. So back if you were on the SNES game, you'd be split it with like 10 other guys. And now you're split it with like 200 other guys. Right. So the payday's got a lot smaller. But that's the thing. I know that Matt Bourne sued them for his residuals. residuals
1: yeah, maybe that's how he afforded that gold bath tub.
0: I'm not sure if he got the... Uh, you know, if he got the full whack of that because mm. with them they can go it's doink and loads of people are doing so yeah the I guy go. in the
1: crowd at that one yeah. episode of raw or whatever that's doink
0: but i'm interested to know what like the family like what what do they get like yeah. do they get some if doink appears in 2k do they get anything because they don't use a picture of matt bourne they use a render of the a clown basically clown. Yeah. yeah so i'm not mm. sure
1: next up from too late to twitter oh, this scary looking picture there <laughs> Why'd, a, you, why'd you
0: send me that? Like, Warning,
1: it's a scary story as oh, well. I'm going to
0: Threads. There this. was
1: a kind of mythology around Doink when I was a kid. I didn't have Sky, so I'd read about him in the WWF magazine. And one time they reported on him attacking Big Boss Man with a pen, imp- implying he stabbed him in the eye. It made him seem too real, graphic, and terrifying. No.
0: Good luck... Lo- what is winning with the eye? I need to unlearn that story about the about the. He's the... Obsessed
1: with eyes.
0: Yeah, my my eyes feel weird now. I no,
1: mine too. Right. Uh, too late to Twitter continues. I would say that he is one of the few wrestling characters that was intended to be scary that actually managed to frighten us. Yes, like Jake the Snake, he was unsettling and alarming based on his expressions and psychology, while his violence was quick and shocking.
0: Yeah, I found myself several times, even at the tail end of our watching. Just like I, I just stop and like put down my notes and just look up and be like, "Fucking hell!" And it was generally when Matt Bourne was just crawling into the camera and just turning and just, just doing something with his face. Yeah, and it he's just got such
1: an expressive face. Bleh. Yeah. Now from Dom Dom, nineteen eighty four, the original Crush Attack was something pretty special and terrifying to me as a kid. It's a shame nobody wanted to lose to a clown because this guy could have been a monster heel. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean. In another world, maybe Matt Bourne didn't have, like, drug problems and didn't fuck up all his opportunities and maybe people would fucking grow up and wrestle the clown. Grow up and wrestle the damn clown!
0: I think it's really funny, though, that, like, you know, here's a guy, second generation, comes up through all the old territories, the way you're meant to, through, like, one of the toughest territories in existence in Mid-South Pro Wrestling. Your dad is, like... Literally, the word tough is in his name. He's an icon for toughness. Yeah. And still, if this guy puts on a clown wig, oh no. Like, yeah. it, it's so funny. Like, it is such a self-conscious streak that runs through all of I WWF could, at that time. I
1: could, I, I, like, understand if they were, like, in their early 20s. Because you're still young at that point. You're still kind of rebelling against your childhood. These are guys in their 30s and 40s. Yeah, seriously. Grow up. Come on. Wrestle
0: the clown. Wrestle
1: the damn clown. <laughs> finally from red mage jack all i've heard about matt bourne classic doink is he had an excellent ring sense and grasp on psychology he was incredibly troubled and he came to the ring with a bear once yeah
0: i mean i didn't want to dwell too much on how hay- on a uh, on old big josh but he came to the ring with two bears both of whom looked extremely distressed
1: i the thought of doink the clown Having a bear, yeah. I don't think he was very scary. I think he's
0: probably worse to those bears than Jake Roberts was to those snakes. Like those poor bears. Yeah, no more animals in wrestling, please. No. Thank you very much. Well, Joe, this has been a episode of extremes, uh, extreme mirth, extreme fucking darkness. Uh, wrestling from the mid nineties, encapsulated. I think you know everything you could expect from a chat about wrestling in that time period. What a weird time it was with How To Doink. I feel kind of <laughs> giddy, but also kind of dirty inside. Yeah, I know. Ah, huh, just as we thought we would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this has lived up to your expectations oh, of man. what a deep dive is, but, you know, you go in deep enough on Doink and it became a true crime podcast there for a moment. Yeah,
1: I didn't expect that.
0: No, not even in the darkest annals of my anticipation of this episode, I think we'd end up here, but... Literally, here we are. Here
1: we are. I'm just so happy I got to watch a match with four kings and four clowns. <laughs> the only thing I find funnier than the idea of some clowns is a bunch of kings. I fucking love kings. They're so silly.
0: Wow. wow. That That is not going to lead us into what our next episode is. No, sorry. There's
1: no easy segue. There's
0: no easy segue. Our next episode is going to venture back to one of those uh, places we mentioned earlier in this episode, actually. Somewhere where I think we maybe painted it in quite a dark light. We're going to look at it... Through slightly different lens, someone who gave their life, their soul, their blood, their sweat, their tears. He broke his back and met his wife because of ecw our next episode is going to be about the innovator of violence and the man who once ate weird things what oh you're gonna find all about it joe when we do how to tommy dreamer for our next episode and it immediately became more intriguing when i yeah. said weird things. well no
1: you've raised my expectations too much because now i'm hoping for like la beast yeah. ryback Extreme competitive eating. I mean, I think the word... Is ex- going to get sick?
0: I mean, there is going to be eating. There is going to be a lot of extreme stuff. And there's going to be a lot of shots to the balls.
1: Does he get sick?
0: Uh, yes, he does at one <gasps> point. Yes but I think we need to talk about the long road it took to Tommy Dreamer to get to the point where he could be sick. When we talk about a wrestler who is indelibly linked with a company, I felt like to talk about Tommy Dreamer, we had to have a lot of groundwork in. Hmm. And I think we have done a lot of that with our ECW, Paul Heyman, Sandman, Rob Van Dam, Sabu, Dudley Boys episodes, all kind of building the groundwork. I feel you've got a sure enough footing with ECW. I know we did a pay-per-view classic about ecw as well yeah that we can finally delve into a guy who at one point was one of my all-time faves.
1: wow really who in
0: recent years has maybe done more damage to his own reputation
1: honestly i think he's really boring seeming
0: <laughs> i think there's a lot of folks who like me really felt he was a self insert protagonist. Yeah, that's why I find it so boring. What we wanted to be as men in the late nineties, goddamn you. I'm not a
1: white guy with brown hair, so I can't relate to him. You're
0: married to one though, so you know. Yeah. You're going to take a walk in my shoes, Joe, okay? okay? By which I mean we're going to watch a man get hit in the balls over and over again. We're going to watch a man who was involved in some say some of the greatest feuds, one of the greatest feuds in the history of professional wrestling. A man who was the close confidant, they had the ear of Paul Heyman, but also a man who may have risen to great prominence because of ECW, but also probably didn't get paid very much for it. And I don't think anyone... Physically gave more and had more taken from him from ECW than Tommy Dreamer. So we're after your favourite moments, your stories, your opinions, thoughts, etc. on the innovator of violence, the man who forged a name for himself in ECW onto WWE, WWE, ECW, his own promotion, House of Hardcore, and an ongoing relationship in Impact Wrestling as well. I'm after all of your thoughts, your feelings, some match recommendations, please, about Tommy Dreamer he is someone who my opinion of has changed uh, somewhat over the years he's someone who definitely at one point I would have said was a hero of mine wow but I don't you want know,
1: to say that anymore I
0: don't know if I'd be saying that as much anymore I have as a matter of fact grown up a little bit since I was 20 years old rocking an ECW shirt Oh, I'm glad uh, thank god that's yeah. h- hence why I'm married now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't forget to use the hashtag how to Tommy Dreamer there will be a tweet available of course as always head over to how for all your information about all the episodes upcoming episodes all the artwork is there all the match listings the recommended bonus viewing etc all that and more available at how and if you want to help support the show and keep it ad free and 100% fan and list to support it and get access to over 120 pay-per-view reviews amazing series like pay-per-view classic easily the best podcast i think that i'm ever involved with the pay-per-view classics i absolutely adore them Joe sets a brief about a show she wants to watch. The people on Patreon vote for it. Then we review it in depth. They're fabulous. There's some involving Billy. There's loads of a lot of variation. We've done ECW, WCW, Modern WWE, Classic Attitude Era, Golden Era Wrestling. We're about to do some very classic AWA. Fabulous series as well, like our YouTube Wrestler Review series, where we've just after reviewing john cena's secret cooking channel and ryback's youtube channel as well as that and bobby lashley's youtube channel none of which are what you think they are total divas we're reviewing all of it with our new series totally divas the heady days of 2013 of texting while driving drinking into excess and watching john cena and daniel bryan's personal lives unfold through the lens of the Bella Twins. A lot of fun to be had over on the Patreon page for as little as $5 a month. Thanks to everyone who's joined us so far, and you can back out whenever you like. Joe, are you excited about Tommy Dreamer?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, it's, it's hard to come from such highs such as doink to...
0: But there is only one Tommy Dreamer. I'll give you that. Okay. okay. So there's not going to be an infinite crisis of Tommy Dreamers here.
1: Didn't ever dress as a king or a clown. There's
0: a lot of people who probably dress like him, though. You know. Um, I don't
1: know how that would just black t-shirt.
0: Track pants, baby. Yeah.
1: Everyone dresses like that. Joe,
0: everyone's obsessed with Y2K at the moment. So why not head back to the late nineties, the early Mm. nineties? Right. That's what people want to see. Right. Mm. Well until next time We're going to head to the extreme one more time It's a goodbye from me Kevin
1: And a goodbye from me Joe
0: Thanks for all your help getting through this crisis of infinite doinks And we'll see you next time On How To Wrestling
1: See ya